Yep. Microphone check. Adrian. Oh, shit. No. Oh, no, no, no. This, this is for the rego. Regular. Regular. <laughs> Regulator. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 339 of This Week in Culture. I'm your host, Ant Wood, a.k.a. Trinidad, and a.k.a. One Half of the Culture. And y'all know what it is. When y'all hear that can crack, that mean your man back. <laughs> you see that big gulp? <laughs> I don't even know where that go. I don't even know where that go. I'm in here with my brother, Jay Johnson. What up, though? What's up, though? Uh, it's your man, Jay Johnson. One half of the culture, one half of everything. What's popping? And this week, we back to review the long-awaited. Um, and I say it's long-awaited because we've been telling you all for a few weeks we was going to review it. Finally here, man, the review of the Amazon original, The Burial. Starring Jamie Foxx, Tommy Lee Jones, um, uh, shit, what's Journey Smollett? Man, you ever watched a movie with Tommy G- Tommy Lee Jones that you ain't like? No, no. What's funny is, uh, Shorty was just asking me this morning, um, like, yo, like, what's like, she like, clearly I know Tommy Lee Jones, but she like, my generation, I know that nigga from Men in Black, <laughs> like, she was like, I knew he was a legend. I know all this shit. But she like, what's his shit? I'm like, yo, The Fugitive, No Country for Old Men, fucking uh, U.S. Marshals, which is the extension of the, fu- the Fugitive. I'm like, it's mad shit we could do with Tommy Lee Jones, bro. Dog, The Fugitive? One of the greatest movies of all time. Like, we got to do a throwback white excellence? Yo. What's funny, so the character, if y'all don't know, the character Tommy Lee Jones won his Oscar for in The Fugitive. He went on to play in U.S. Marshals when he was chasing Wesley Snipes through the streets. Nigga, I think that's better than The Fugitive, dog, and I love The Fugitive, but that's just how good of an actor he is. Harrison Ford was... Yo, Harrison Ford was in his bag bag. We already know. Look, here's the thing, yo. Harrison Ford was running for his fucking life, nigga. Like, stop playing with Indiana Jones. Yeah, he dog. wasn't running that fast for that no, fucking no. big-ass boulder that was coming from him. <laughs> stop playing with Indiana Jones because he running for his shit. Yo, you know how fucking slow you got to be to not get away from Tommy Lee Jones, though. Tommy Lee Jones been 50-plus since I was born, nigga. Um... Fucking legendary actors in this shit, man. We got the co-Oscar winners, Tommy Lee Jones and Jamie Foxx. Journey Smollett, and honestly, a role that I really fucking enjoyed from her, man. Um, I know she wasn't the main. She comes through about a quarter of the way through the movie, man. But I really enjoyed her in this film, dog. Um, And then we got a... Has she not done a period piece? (laughs) Yeah. Has she never done a real life... Is 1995 a period? It, that's 30 years ago <laughs> Damn That's fucking crazy Yo you know what's funny Is literally everything I think of In the 90s I think is 20 years ago Yeah And we're well beyond that Right now dog Um The other part Of the The movie that I really liked Dog was You know A little more subdued His role wasn't The main shit But dog Who been in like Some shit recently man Mamadou uh, Afi And if I'm pronouncing that wrong Pardon me um, I thought he was great, man, uh, as the kind of third lawyer working for Tommy Lee, man, uh, playing Hal Dawkins. Um, Alan Ruck, white excellence, he also killed as the homeboy. And uh, um, and Dorian Oh, yeah, Missick. Dorian Missick. Dorian oh. Missick is a low-key legend. He's been in everything. He's been in everything, and he's written everything. And y'all don't even understand what that man Penn really is about, dog. Dorian Missick was out here, and his wife also has been a part of Mad shit. So, um, shout out to Simone Missick. But um, overall, thought this was a really entertaining film, man. Um, 
To your point about it being a period piece set in 1995 during what was a real life trial, um, it was, it felt like 1995. You know what I'm saying? You give me the South in 95 with some old school R&B, I was jamming, dog. Yeah, because when it originally started, I couldn't tell what time this was. Yeah, yeah. It looked modern enough, but it felt old enough. Yeah. I'm like, I don't I don't know what time it was, but then when they start talking about the OJ trial. Yeah. I'm like, kind of can pick up on it. Tony, Tony, Tony. I'm like, oh, it feels good. It could be 93. Right, right. (laughs) We was definitely right there. And then um, if you're familiar with the legendary Willie Gary uh, in real life, then you might have known around what time this was because this was when he was in his bag. A lot of folks in that period were focused on Johnny Cochran as like the black lawyer, right? Johnny Cochran was easily the most famous Lawyer in the world, especially black lawyer in the world. Um, but Willie Gary had been in that bag and had been was continuing to get in his bag. Now, I'm gonna keep it 100% honest. Okay, I did not realize this was about a real person until after the movie was over. Oh, shit. okay, it, it never struck me. Okay, something else I knew. And then at the very end of the movie, when the real Willie Gary was in the movie, did you yeah. see that piece? Yeah, all right, because it was like after the credits and whatever. Yeah. I was like. Oh him, yeah. Because do you remember that after the OJ trial, yeah, there was a television show about lawyers. I don't know if these trials were real or fake, mm-hmm. but Marsha, um, old girl from OJ trial, yeah, 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 Marsha um, Clark, Marsha Clark, yeah, um, Christopher Darden, yep. Johnny Cochran, Willie Gary, a bunch of those high profile lawyers was on this TV show, yeah, where they was like trying cases or whatever. Now, I don't know if those was like real cases or mm-hmm. that was like dramaed up, but um, I remember him from that, yeah. So I I knew Willie Gary literally from two things. I knew him from winning a case against Walt Disney. And I knew him for being the old black lawyer with Cardi's. He used to stay in some different types of woods. Like dog had yays in like every picture I ever saw him in. And usually he was standing in front of his plane. And I just thought that was dope. I didn't know a ton about him. I knew he beat Disney in a case. And I figured the money he took from that, he went and bought a plane and a bunch of yays. Because that's all I seen him from. Um, But, you know, after the movie... My interest was piqued because I'm like, all right, clearly he was way, you know, bigger of a lawyer at that time than uh, than what I knew about him. And I'm like, dog, this nigga had he beat fucking Anheuser-Busch in court like you was. And he was as a personal injury lawyer to take on nothing but large corporations um, in, in P.I. cases off top. The money is going to be crazy, dog, because a lot of them cases, whether they go to trial or not, you still probably going to reach a settlement because a lot of these companies don't want to be associated with losing in court to, you know, one person. Dog. Willie Gary. Yeah, to Willie fucking black ass Gary, man. And um, his story was just like really dope, bro. Yeah. Like Which son man- of a sharecropper from Florida. He was born in Georgia and, and just kind of super deep south roots, man. And it's like, yo, you really became one of them, dog. Like in a movie, he talked about like why he even became a lawyer mm-hmm. on something. Nah, they wouldn't do this. But my family, basically, I got hold in front of my family, and they yeah. were like, "What you gonna do about it, Dad?" Yeah, I'm gonna come back and whoop their ass. Yeah, and that's what he did. So in that, it's like I'm only taking big cases. Yeah, I started off with a big case to me. 
Yeah. I'm only doing I'm only doing a giant killer because you think you can do that to me and yeah. you cannot. You cannot, bro. Um, just to kind of go back to to some of the shit I was referencing, when he went to fight Disney in court, he won a two hundred and forty million dollar case against Disney. How much how much what percentage do lawyers get? Uh it depends. Cause even if it's ten percent, yeah, you're, you're you're doing I. Right. <laughs> I'm left twenty four million dollars. Yeah, you're you're doing I. Right. Um, so I might just quit. After he sued case. Disney. What's funny? He sued them on behalf of ESPN before Disney had bought ESPN. Um, in that was in two thousand. In twenty nineteen, a case that he had won way earlier in his career against R.J. Reynolds, who I believe R.J. Reynolds is a tobacco company. The case got overturned, but initially he won $23 billion for his client. $23 billion for his client, dog. Um, and it, it stemmed from, it was a lung cancer case back in the 90s, sued the tobacco maker. Um, but again, the case got overturned like two years after he died. So I don't know how that works, but you won $23 billion against a fucking, like them the type of cases he was taking on. So He won that in the 90s? 96. And in 19, I mean, 2019, they still hadn't paid. Cause no, they got overturned. No, no, that's crazy. Yeah, um, but that's kind of what stemmed. It's actually exactly what stemmed this case against the uh, uh, Lowen Company, because they weren't paying, so they could try to force uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character out of business, right? Um, so the real life case I actually thought was kind of cool. So in real life, um, Tommy Lee Jones played uh, Jeremiah O'Keefe. And his family, way back in, like, Civil War time, they actually lost their home. Um, or, no, during the Great Depression, they lost their home. He bought the house back some years later. He turned it into a funeral parlor, and he just kind of kept going, right, and created basically this chain of funeral homes in Mississippi because he was on some real, I'm trying to leave some of my grandchildren. Generational wealth. Gen- grandchildren. Genera- yeah, he had a lot of fucking grandkids. He had a lot of kid kids, but a lot of grandkids came from that. Um so, in uh, Jackson, you're supposed to sell your insurance. Well, when he sold the three locations to the loaning company, they were supposed to have bought his insurance company with that. Like, they, that was a part of their agreement. The suit came from a breach of contract because basically the loan group had their own insurance and they weren't selling his shit. And he's like, well, that's kind of where I was making the, mo- the bulk of my money. So me having these other four locations don't really do shit for me. Like, you stole my bread and butter, dog, and we have a contract. Um, and basically, the loan company niggas was like, all right, sue us. And then they sued, they settled, but they never paid. They was basically like, if we drive them into bankruptcy, it's nothing to pay for. And that's when you go get Willie Gary because, nigga, I'm being taken and I'm losing a lot of fucking bread. Um, and in real life, like, I, I read a quote from the director uh, shout out to her, black woman. Her name is Maggie Betts. Um, this is her second feature film, but Maggie Betts was like, in real life, the case was kind of boring. She was like, it was very much like a contract dispute. And she was like, but when I read about the case in an article in the New Yorker back in like 96, shortly after the first verdict, um, she was like, when I read about it, the article mentioned race a lot. Like, all she was like it was pretty much all due to it being in Mississippi and having Willie Gary there, all black juror, 
black ass lawyer, race, race, race. But she was like, the trial itself was not really race focused at all. So had to work my writing magic, my movie magic, and throw that race in there. Cause she was like, it was right there. We just had to fucking turn it up a bit. And boy, did they, man. So that's when it's something is based on true story. You can't watch it and be like, oh, I know exactly what happened. Mm-mm. Cause it never actually happened as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is 100% a creative art like, taken on this shit. In my opinion, what James Samuels do and Jay-Z does with these movies, mm. them real people, yeah, we just make a bunch of shit up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, you kind of think about the writer's strike for a minute, right? This is why that stuff is so important. This is why you can't just fucking AI everything. You know what I'm saying? You can't chat GPT everything, right? Because it's certain shit. If you throw the, the details of this case or the trial in a chat GPT and let AI write it up, they're going to miss the emotional elements. The emotional elements in this case came from race. It came from race. Willie Gary won this case when he figured out, yo, Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, the Lowen group has been taking mad, not just black people, poor people, and ruining their lives and their finances with his promises from what he was doing with his funeral home. So, um, in real life, yo, that nigga was making a lot of money, dog. And guess what? I'm not mad at his business mind Mm-mm. with the idea that if I buy up all these funeral homes, these baby boomers going to die and mm-hmm. I'm going to get paid because it's about time for them to die. Yeah. I got to float these I bills. mean, it was simple math. <laughs> this was, uh, <laughs> was boy math, girl math. This was That's why China, Canadian math. That's why China is dying. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite effect. Mm. And, you know, when they put them restrictions in and you can't have, you can only have this amount of children and everything like that. Yeah. They didn't calculate that shit out far enough. So right now. Yeah. Once the older folks die off, there's not enough people to actually sustain the economy and to work these particular jobs. Right. Right. And now they like, huh. I, I've read a bunch of different articles because I'd be like, yo, China got one of the biggest economies in the world and blah, blah, blah. But the reason that there's always friction over there is because you know in a couple of years yeah it's about to get it's gonna get real strange over there yeah um china also i think they they focused too much on their military um with with the way that they've kind of handled their economy a little bit like yo they got the largest navy in the world yeah and it's like yo y'all preparing for something that may or may not come bro but well they like, prepare for something that's gonna come because once we because <laughs> once we fuck our economy up so bad we want some of y'all's mm-hmm. and we're gonna find a way to partner with the you partner with russia and, <laughs> and to, to to beef with the with last week biden was like for some reason they fucking with the philippines yeah and biden was like yo you, you do that again we we we, we jumping yeah like nigga how many wars can we fight <laughs> calm down calm down Just calm down dog um but the uh the movie itself, man. How what are, what are your thoughts on? Let's start with the performances, bro. Um, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. Actually, yeah. uh, I didn't always know where we were going, and not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how is this going to end? Mm-hmm. Because in lawyer movies, I don't know if you're going to win or not. Sometimes mm-hmm. the verdict is in your favor. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. I never really know. I thought that. I was trying to gauge if they wanted to make 
Jamie Foxx a goof? Yeah. Or was they going to show his actual intelligence or whatever? And yeah. I think they did a good job at, it wasn't really goofy, actually. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can say they did a good job at both, but it never was really goofy. It was just like, I'm very eccentric. Yeah. And I got a very particular style. So they did a, a good job at taking what was, for the most part, a really dramatic real-life story. Um, is anytime you're talking about somebody losing their family-owned business, somebody going bankrupt, um, especially somebody who was doing that to create the generational wealth that kept his family working and kept them in business, that's a sad story. But I think they did a very good job at creating a lighthearted version of that, but without making it overly comedic or overly goofy, right? Like, I still looked at this very seriously. You know what I'm saying? I did too, but it also didn't feel like I was watching Mississippi Burning. Mm -mm. So without the darkness. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's a fine line to walk. And extremely one, especially when you're talking about a courtroom drama, right? Um, They essentially made a courtroom dramedy, which I was trying to think, like, have you ever seen a courtroom film mixed drama and, you know, some lighthearted adult comedy this well, dog. Like, it, it almost felt like so original that it couldn't have been a, based on true story. <laughs> like, because I, and I think that's where the writing comes in, right? Um, They wrote this so well that it was like, you felt the seriousness, you felt the tone. Um, There were parts, especially when they got into the trial, where you felt like, okay, I'm getting a little tinge of the, you know, potential biases and bigotry that might exist down in you know mississippi but then it was also like they didn't make it feel like an overtly race film like a race bait film like it was like no they they kept it light but they addressed all the subjects which i thought to your point a real fine line but they did a great job at it there's one thing i thought was a reach what's that and how the movies kind of started off was not that it was a reach it's just that i've never been in church Mm mm-hmm I mean, we I, we went to the same church. Facts, facts. Shout Spring Hill, uh, Seven Mile in Greenfield. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a quote unquote black church and heard somebody refer to it as black church. Yeah, like they said black church like he seven, said it times seven times in that, uh, that his speech. Yeah, and knowing that this is not exactly how it happened, mm-hmm. like I get it. You was trying to lay the foundations of oh shit, you was trying to take advantage of black the black church. Yeah, but I've never seen someone reference. The black church. Yeah. He was just the black church. He'd have just been like, where you feel home? Church is home. Yeah. Not black church. Black church. I've never and heard that. Uh, to extend your point, I've never heard somebody reference the black church as the black church to the black church. <laughs> like you're there. You're in it. Like you can say, yeah, you feel at home when you at your church home. Yeah. Because that's a difference. Yeah. Um, you call me everything but a child of God is a, is it like I, all that was on point, but I was yeah. like, Black church. And it was, I ain't gonna lie, the opening scene with him in church and then shifting to the early part of his closing statements in that trial he was taking on. Yeah, I thought he was a preacher. I Well, I, I thought we was going in like a, all right, they got Jamie Foxx being a goof. I, that's, and I've, again. That's what I, that's why I was like, they, they didn't really have a being a goof. I was familiar enough with Willie Gary to know that he was brash, to know that he was very much, again, not he was totally different from Johnny Cochran as far as what they did. But in how they performed in the courtroom, I was familiar enough to know, like, okay, 
it don't seem like a stretch, but it felt like maybe they over, they adding a little sugar on that shit. Dog. Like I've been working in sales for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Some people just have the ability to say certain stuff that you could never say. Mm-hmm. Like and some some persons' tone of a voice, yeah, their rate of speech, um, their personality. They can just say some wild shit and connect. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like Willie Gary, like, let me just talk to y'all. Yeah. I don't want to do all the big words and everything. Let me just talk to y'all. Can Facts. we talk? Facts. Have some real talk a little bit. Because in real life, hey. My my client, this nigga piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, nigga was drunk. He kept I it a buck. Wanted to kill himself. Yeah. I was, so, I was so wrapped up in this because I didn't know where he was going. Yeah. He's like, but we got one thing. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck he got? And because even when he said the nigga was on a bike, like, yo, he wasn't drunk driving. Nigga rode his bike because he knew I'm fucked up and I don't need to be out here driving. But then that's, hey, we got one thing going for us. He had a green light. light. I was like, damn. I thought thought they were going to say the eyewitness, it was on tape or something. Like, we got a green light. And I'm like, oh shit, okay. I don't care what was going on. I don't care if you wanted to, to end your own life. He, when he was hit, my client had the right away. He should be alive. It's just what it is. It's just what I the fuck it the is. I have the right bro. of way. Yeah. And I was like, and he was like, and that was the end of it. I'm yeah. like, yo. So when he got to the end of that closing speech, that's when I was like, okay, Jamie Foxx, his perform, he curved it right when it was going to get like, all right, he being too silly or he being too over the top, right? Um, and he curved it and brought it back so smoothly that I was like, and also had to think about it. In 1995, again, you're, let's just think about the OJ trial for a minute. Yo, nigga, as brilliant as Johnny Cochran was and as brilliant as he fucking was in that case, the way he spoke, the way he said, to your point, the way he worded certain shit, it made him like, yeah, duh, that's good. That's smooth, nigga. And in the 90s, that type of shit was, like, dope to us. So, 95 was 13 years old. Yep. Um, I remember watching, one, the OJ Chase. Mm-hmm. And two, vividly, the OJ trial. The OJ Chase was during the NBA Finals mm-hmm. when the Rockets were playing whomever they were playing. Yeah, cut that shit off. I was on punishment. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be watching television at all. My father, I mean, he been go in the room, blah, blah, blah. I'm on punishment. Yeah. He leaves to do something. I turn on a game in my cousin room. Mm. And during the game, somehow, I flip and the OJ Chase is on. Mm-hmm. And this shit is so, like, wow. I watched OJ Simpson on Naked Gun 33 and a half. Facts. 33 Facts. and a third. I seen this nigga in the ice eternal. Isotona commercials. I seen him in Hertz commercials. Like, yeah, I don't know OJ Simpson from football. I know him from television. Yeah. At that age, yeah, like a thirteen. Why the fuck I know about the the sixties and seventies in, in in football? Did not watch him play for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, like yeah. I know him because he, I knew him after he was retired. But like he from TV. Any long story short, I fell asleep. Yeah, dad come in the room, TV on. Or like. I'm like, but dad, <laughs> like the, OJ, the finals, it, like, like no, it's OJ, yeah, because <laughs> didn't end well. Uh, but I, <laughs> oh, because your ass wasn't supposed to be watching that, yeah, shit. yeah. yeah. I fell asleep watching yeah. fucking OJ. Uh, I say all that to say, after all that, I remember vividly throughout that summer, 
in my parents' bedroom because that's where cable was. Yeah. Uh, watching the OJ trial like all day. Yeah. Lance Edo the whole nine yards, and now that I think about it, watching this trial is probably what has me addicted to law and order type shows yeah. and all these lawyer type shows because I never would have only black people or lawyer type shows I would have seen before was fucking Matlock. Yeah. Matlock. That's it. Um, Matlock and Perry Mason. Oh yes. Perry Mason. All we, that's really all. Oh, and Columbo from like the, the detective sort of aspect, right? One more question. (laughs) Yo man, y'all wasn't around. (laughs) Y'all literally might not have been around. I don't know. Um, but, but like, I love this type of shit. Mm-hmm. I lo- I want to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to go to school. You give me the information. Let me argue the case. Yeah. I can be the performative nigga in there. Yeah. And y'all just give me the data to, to, to give me the points to argue. But like, I love this shit so much. Yeah. And I like seeing somebody take control of the crowd. I mean, you're an MC up there in real life. Yeah. Like what you say, move the crowd or the, the jury, man, Cause they did. They went straight jury, jury nullification for this damn thing. Right, right. They weren't even arguing on the merits. Nah, like yo, they did some fucked up on the, in the movie. Yeah, y'all and did some was, fucked up shit. Hey, it's one of the things about going to trial that you have to prepare for, right? And the Lowen Group owner, um, I think his name was, let me not Ray Lowen. So in real life, when he went and. Yo, first of all, let me point this out. Did you know Journey Smollett's character was like the only character who wasn't real? No. Yeah, that was a brand new, just like, we made her up. He really did go out there and get, like, a bunch of, like, really, like, well-known black trial lawyers. I was wondering if, when my man was going through the list, like, that's this, that's Mm -hmm. this, was them real people? Most of them, yes. Hers, no. Because that's a shout-out to them. Yeah, yeah. Because he was giving them, yo, this is the first black, he's from this firm, he's from this. I was thinking, like, I never Googled it, but I'm like, I wonder if these are real people. Yeah. After the fact. Shorty told me that this morning, um, and then I had to go look that up. Like, oh, shit. Like, she really... And then, again, credit to the writing. Because not only was her character made up... Well, the writing and the actors, right? Because you made up this character, but then for her to bring it to life... I don't really think Journey went into, you know, her normal, like, Southern Belle, Southern Charm. She didn't sound like she was Deep South. And I'm like, this was a role that could have been perfect for that. And she felt like she went in another direction. I liked it. Interesting that you bring that up. How come some people from Atlanta sound normal and some people sound country? Um, Like, born and raised in Atlanta? Yeah. Because I was finna tell you, (laughs) it's too many transplants, but niggas be down there long enough. And they use from New York, but you telling people you from Atlanta. Um, born and raised Atlanta, I think it matters what part of Metro Atlanta you're from. Like, I think that matters a lot. Like my cousin and her husband, born and raised well, he was born in Virginia, but he was raised in Atlanta. Um, she was born and raised in Atlanta. He sounds so much countryer than her. Like, and they both went to college, educated, like all type. He sound like he from a whole different fucking area of. He talk like Waka Flocka. Like I she got does family not. in from Atlanta mm-hmm. and from Georgia. It just feel like when I was growing up, we go to our family reunions. Of course, we have family reunions yeah. in Atlanta. I had one in Atlanta last year, um, or whatnot. It just seemed like there was a much more countryer thing yeah. in the accents, but now was southern people from. From there, I'm like, y'all talk normal. Yeah. 
But I, I do think, though, the um, the melting pot that has become Atlanta has changed that, right? Because you'll get, even to the people who are born and raised down there, um, they'll be hanging with motherfuckers who are from a New York, from a Detroit, from an L.A. And I feel like they start to pick up on shit. And it, it wouldn't necessarily change your accent, but it might change the way you say certain words and, and stuff like that, like your dialect. And I and the reason I know that y'all have an accent and I don't is yeah. because when I watch television, 247, all the TV shows, mm-hmm. we all speak the same. I wonder how that feels, though, yeah. when you watch television and nobody sounds like you. Yeah. Like, if you're from Louisiana. Yeah. Like, or Baton Rouge. Like, yeah. that, that is a... Matter of fact, I can't say Louisiana because I know people from Louisiana who don't sound like they from Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, you're very much from New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this is just different. Yeah. But I'm like, if every television show, cartoon, everything, none of them sound like you, I wonder how that feel. But I think... Again, I'm I'm just I'm literally just going off the melting pot that I know Atlanta to, to have become. You take a state like Louisiana. I've always said New Orleans is probably my favorite American city because it's one of the only cities left in America that still has the culture. Yeah. From back in the 1800s, 1900, like they still it's very much so still the New Orleans that it was in a lot of aspects and even like people from the hood people from wealthy areas of New Orleans, they all still respect the fucking culture that was down in, and, and probably the same in Baton Rouge too, right? Like, it's going to be certain words that all y'all say the yeah. same. Yeah, yep. like, yep. You know how, like, the women in Baltimore sound a certain way? Right. Well, everybody in Baltimore. Yeah. But, like, people with a New Orleans accent, mm-hmm. women, girl, just talk to me all day. Like, I don't give like, a fuck. Say anything. That, that French Creole... That exists in in people from that Gulf region. It's like it never left. It never escaped. Right. I feel like in Detroit, it's weird because we French too here. Yeah, yeah. But we. But it's like a whole that. different dialect, right? Like it. I'm like maybe because theirs had the Creole part and ours yeah. was just French. And I'm like, I feel like that Half Creole the nature. names and cities, they French. Yeah, they're detois. It's, it's all that. Charlevoix. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, <laughs> Eastside trying to be fancy. <laughs> like, nigga. And they also are um, Native Cash American. You. Yeah, facts, facts. But um, no, man, I, I think that Journey did a very good job in this film at straying away from her normal journey. Because she could have done her normal journey thing. And it would have fit perfectly into this role, right? Because this film was kind of made for a Journey Smollett-type character. But I feel like she kind of came in there very brash, very, like, I know I'm a Harvard Law grad. Like, her shit was just so fucking pristine. I really don't, I thought she was dope in this. Um, I was like, I wonder who else could play this role. Then I thought about my uh, my new crush um, who played in The Lincoln Lawyer. Oh, Yaya? Yeah. Oh, Yaya could have like, bodied this. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, that'll fit. Yeah, Yaya could have bodied <laughs> <And> this. <laughs> What's funny is, um, think about, like, who else could have played this role. Once I learned that this wasn't a real character, this was definitely, like, a made-up thing, I'm like, damn. There's a handful of actors that might have really fucking, you know, done well in a role like this, right? Uh, You think... Journey, cool. You think Yaya, cool. Um, I also thought um, Simone McKissick, Dorian's wife, 
who currently is on is on a final season, but All Rise, where she plays a judge. Mm. Um, I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's been coming up on my streaming app. Yeah, so the first season, first two were on, I'm sorry. Yeah, the first two were on ABC then it, or CBS, and it got canceled, and then OWN bought it. What's her girl name? Um, Jukebox. What's her name? Oh, uh, 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 oh, shit. Because I love her. No, no, no. She's phenomenal, dog. Um, Anna Canoni Rose. Yeah. 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 She could have bodied that shit, too. Anna Canoni Rose could have killed this. She could have killed this. Um, I did think that I really liked the choice for them to also get a younger actress. Not that Journey Smollett is, like, in her 20s or nothing, but... She, she might. How old is she? No, nah, Journey Smollett got to be older than me, I feel like. I think we thought that before, and we was like, nah. 37. All right, that makes sense. Right, it yeah. checks. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to look uh, to see Eve's Bayou and see how old I was in 97, because I feel like she was older than me in Eve's Bayou. But 37 checks. That works. But to go and get a younger actress to play that role, I she think. just turned 37, like October yeah. 1st. I think that made a bit of difference in the tone too, right? Because if you would have gotten like who I just say, Simone McKissick or uh, Anna Canoni Rose, somebody who's probably a little closer to Jamie Foxx's age, I don't know that they would have had that same sort of like snap that Journey had in this role, man. Um, before we get too deep into it, Rob Sylvia, Rob Silva, shout out to the guy, third member of the pod, y'all know what it is. Um, he sent in a voice note about the movie, and I want to check his voice note because I feel like he's going to bring up some of the things that we want to discuss. So, Rob, Rob you're a wild boy. Yo, man, Rob Rob is the wildest, first of all. Um, like Biggie, Biggie, Biggie Smalls is the illest? Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. is the wildest. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, what up? On scale of 1 to 10, the burials are 25. This movie is phenomenal just phenomenal uh this week in culture family if you have not watched this movie pause the pod pause the pod and go watch this movie this movie is the type of movie that we need more of we need more movies like the burial positive 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 depictions of our people a pot let me tell y'all something if somebody else would have gotten this script, certain other uh, companies, certain other, certain other uh, well-renowned black screenwriters, directors, etc., they would have had the characters played. And I know this is based on a true story, and Jay and Ant are going to break that down for you. Exactly what happened. Fact versus fiction in the movie. But if you had certain well-renowned black filmmakers doing this movie, they would have made up an entire uh, scenario in which the opposing lawyers would have had an affair and somebody would have been gay. No! No, we don't need all that bullshit. This movie showed a positive Black man and black woman married together, supporting each other. All right. They, and it wasn't the white savior this time. It was the black savior. We know we get tired of all these movies in which the white man or the white woman comes to the rescue 
of a black man, black woman. Now, this was the other way around, and it was a true story. Um, I'm not going to go further into talking about the movie because I know the brothers Ant and the brothers Jay are going to do their do. They're going to do what they do. Instead, I'm going to I'm going to give my grades for each actor and an overall grade for the movie. Well, I gave you the grade for the movie. It's an A plus 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 A multiple pluses. Um. Maggie Betts and Doug Wright for writing the screenplay, A+. Maggie Betts, black filmmaker, black direct, a black female director, A+, for her direction. She, was, she, she, she directed a hell of a movie. I'm giving A's to Oscar winners Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones because they brought their A game as the stars of this movie. Tommy Lee Jones is one of the most underrated legends of our lifetime, fellas. Jamie Foxx is one of the greatest actors of the last 20 years, period. And there's been 25 years. Take it back to when we really knew he could act in any given Sunday. Last 25 years, Jamie's one of the top 10. You can make an argument for top five, okay? Actors, and I'm not talking black actors, I'm talking actors, period. Jernay Smollett gets an A. Tommy Lee Jones, Jamie Foxx, Jernay Smollett, all get A's. And I got to give uh, Bill Camp. Was it Bill Camp? Bill Camp played the evil uh, corporation owner, CEO. He gets an A also because he played that Vince McMahon-like character to a T. I'm giving B-pluses to Alan Ruck, who's tremendous as the attorney and longtime friend of Jeremiah. Mamadou Ati, I, I hope I say his name right, he gets a B plus as the young lawyer who really, really is doing his best and goes all out to help Jeremiah. And I give a B to Pamela Reed and a B to Dorian Missick. Pamela Reed, I believe, played the wife of Tom Lee Jones. And Dorian Missick always tremendous in whatever he does but I'm only giving him a B because his role was limited in his movie but he's an A actor I think he would have gotten an A on my scorecard if he would have gotten more screen time so that's what I got fellas go ahead and do your thing listeners you're in for a treat this movie is one of them and I hope they do more movies about William Gary's life. You can make a series of movies like every year, every two years, a movie about his victories because I understand he has beaten a lot of corporations in real life. So uh, congratulations to the real life William Gary. Congratulations to Jamie Foxx. Congratulations to Tommy Lee Jones. Congratulations to Amazon for putting this movie out. Congratulations to Maggie Betts. Congratulations to... (laughs) Ant and Jay, peace and blessings. Appreciate you, Rob. Rob, man, thanks for doing the pod for us, man. Literally, literally, he gave grades out and everything, man. But um, that's the level of Rob was like pair of woods for such. <laughs> but no, I I knew because Rob was we was all excited when we seen that this film was coming out. Um, but Rob, like when he watched it, I remember him tweeting us and letting us know how dope he thought the film was, and I I knew it was gonna be one of them. 
So I was very eager to go and watch it and really come up here and do this pod about it because I knew when we get a film like that that can attack or approach a potentially dramatic and sensitive topic but also still leave you feeling light at the end of it. Like, yo, I really just enjoyed that film. I don't feel down. I don't feel like I need to go march. I don't feel depressed about what be going on with black people. Like, I just enjoyed that film for what it was, man. Uh, and I appreciate um, the writers and the directors. Yeah. As well as the showrunner, or I don't know what the showrunner is called on the movie. but Yeah. Um, for keeping it that way. Yeah. It's really easy for us to lean into a, a low hanging fruit, yeah, and a low hanging emotional fruit is very is very easy to do that to to bring in different groups and stuff like that. Rob yeah. alluded to like certain people that got this, and it was gonna be some it was gonna be sex mm-hmm. a sex scene and some LGBTQ stuff. Not saying that that doesn't happen and there's anything wrong yeah. with that, but sometimes it's low hanging fruit, so I can bring in the the community for my. Like it sometimes it doesn't help the telling of the story. Shout out to Maggie Betts for avoiding troping this film out, right? Because even not even you know just thinking about yo, she would have thrown in because for instance she made up a whole character with um uh Journey Smollett's character. She could have easily been like yo, I'm the first gay woman black lawyer. Like she could have done that, right? From but, Compton, <laughs> yeah. But she also avoided. One of the more obvious tropes that could have been thrown in there, and I mentioned it earlier, going down the overtly racist angle, right? Like, she ain't do a scene where the fucking uh, black lawyers got down to Mississippi and people just start calling them nigger and throwing them out. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit like that. And what was so proud about this case, it was two white people suing each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Have like, we ever seen a film like... I mean, I, I know there's been black savior films, but like this retelling of one that the one, the one that wasn't sports, man, or that maybe wasn't that's like it because even it wasn't a crime drama, like because the equalizer then came through and saved everybody. I mean, <laughs> saved Home Depot. Yeah, everybody white got <laughs> saved by, by the equalizer. He ain't saved no niggas yet. No, no, the one kid. Oh yeah, uh, RZA. RZA, yeah. <laughs> But um no it was it was definitely a unique angle to take. Uh, Did you see when they met on the red carpet? Yeah, he ain't know him. He was like, "Hey, I'm I'm about to be in the movie with you." Yeah. He was like, he was "Man, like, like see you at work." And Denzel was on some real like, "Congrats, son." Like and then you really was in it. Denzel probably didn't even think that nigga was going to be in that movie. <laughs> Denzel don't know who fucking uh, Damson. Damson Idris is still. <laughs> like <laughs> he like, "That's it. My friend, my friend, we I don't watch TV." <laughs> Denzel like Lori Harvey boy, right? <laughs> I ain't know that nigga was actor. No, I really want Denzel to know who he is. Yeah. Like, I want them to do something. Like, certain performances, it's it's like, yo, the other actors, like, the, my peers, they'll yeah. look at me. Yeah. Look at look me. Look at me, King. Literally. Like, rappers, the respect that rappers give other rappers, let me rephrase that. The respect that lyricists give other lyricists. Yeah, it's too much. I want people to look at my art that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like other podcasters, and they hit you with the oh yeah, y'all was podding. Yeah, like it I, feel different. It feel it different because I know how, I know you know what it takes to do this. Yeah, it's it's different when your peers give you that. So, bro, speaking of peers, kind of think about this movie, right? 
Ray Lowen, who owned the Lowen Group, played by Bill Cap. So um, fuck with Canadians. But like him and Jeremiah O'Keefe, on the surface, did the same thing, right? They, they had the funeral homeowners. My nigga, they did the same thing too. It's like, yeah. man, we had to find the racism in this shit. Yeah. Y'all didn't have a case. Yeah. Like, we really didn't have a case. Only yeah. thing we did was make it seem like they was bad people. Yeah. It, it wasn't hard to make it seem, but we had to search for that. Yeah. We did We did not come into this knowing that they was taking advantage of other of churches yeah. and that stuff. So, in real life, we had to find racism Yeah, in order for you to make the plaintiff or the defendant look like a bad guy. Yeah. And once we found that out, then you can see that... If they would do that to people, yeah, then you know what? They would do something bad to me, and that's why you should give me the money. So in real life, um, how the uh the play the character played by Mamadou Athey, um, he really did discover that the Lowen Group and the National Baptist Convention had like a it was like a real live large contract dispute. But nobody had ever brought it up, right? He kind of discovered it just looking into the shit. And when he unearthed that, hey, nigga, the deal with them, they only got a very small amount of money from what he made off the contract with the NBC. It was like, oh, if I can bring this up, that'll sway the fucking jurors. Let's talk about this for a second. Because I thought this was an interesting. I I couldn't wait to come in here and talk about it. I I just forgot it until Mm -hmm. you just mentioned that. This deal with the quote-unquote black church mm. and how in the movie was portrayed that, like, they even had the pastor yeah, and deacons and stuff like that selling to their own congregation. Yeah. Let's just talk about how evil and how dusty that is. Mm. And the fact that you can cloak anything in Christ and, it's, and, it, and make it seem like it's a good deal. And just because someone has a, a relationship with God. Yeah does not mean they have a relationship with the law. Come on. They don't have a relationship with critical thinking. You damn near can't have a critical thinking brain when you when you ultra religious. And that's I don't mean that in a bad way either. The, because the thing about it though, and especially in this case, right, when you're thinking about the National Baptist Convention and all these, you know, pastors that were involved in this contract with the Lowen group, um just cuz somebody has a relationship with God don't mean they got a relationship with you. That Humanity has to exist in a lot of stuff like this. I heard somebody last week talking about it was in relation to Tyrese and his wife. Mm. Because they went to a couple's counseling. Well, they went to counseling by some pastor. Okay. Who was in counseling with his wife. Oh, shit. Okay. How you broken and going to give somebody tips on how to... The, the men, yeah. you and the men. Yeah. And just because you have a relationship with God doesn't make you a relationship expert. Yeah. And just because you have a, a congregation, that doesn't make you a financial, you know, it doesn't increase your financial literacy because you got yeah. a close relationship with Christ. Yeah. That doesn't mean I did this intentionally to make money, but you was gullible. Yeah. This wasn't a good deal. Yeah. You selling stuff to them people. Under the pretense of God. Yeah. Even if you don't, that's like when you're in a position of power. That's the reason why the CEO can't have sex with the secretary. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't say you had to do this for your job. Yeah. But in your brain, 
I got to do this for my job. But you know what, though? Um, largely the issue that comes up with the church and black folks is we trust that the pastor's relationship with God means we can trust everything that comes out of that pastor's mouth. Every word of advice, every piece of, uh, every jewel they drop, everything unrelated to God, right? They give you financial advice, they give you marital advice, they give you, for instance, um, my mom, her old, her same church, but the old pastor, the previous pastor, I remember when I didn't live here, came home one, you know, maybe Christmas, Thanksgiving, one of the holidays where you go with your parents to church, right? Um, and I went to their church for the first time, I was never a member at the church that they go to. So I came home from Atlanta. I went to their church and the whole time dog was preaching. I was like, I don't really like this nigga, bro. Like it was something not connecting with me. I didn't believe a word coming out of his mouth. It made you feel some type of way, man. Shout out to Macho in the church. Show. Yo, <laughs> that's a good callback. <laughs> that's a good callback. But, um, yeah, that's a great callback, dog. Yo, Mach, what up, man? Go watch Homecoming, yo. Um, but I did not believe everything coming out of this. It was very performative, right? It was very showy. And I remember after church, my mom, because then she wanted to introduce me to dog. This is my son. He home from Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. And, like, my meeting with him, I further was like, Yo, dog a piece of shit, bro. Like, I just, I was reading it, and I remember telling my mom, like, yo, I don't really like your pastor, dog. Like, I I was like, I know that's your church, but I was like, you don't have to invite me back if he preaching. And that's his church, so he probably going to be preaching. It, the convo didn't go over well. This going to sound fucked up. Sue me, fight me, you don't like me. Women ain't a good, women is not a good judge of character for men, dog. Like, men do something of women where they see what we tell you to see who got you in the church it was your mother mm. or your grandmother you look out in the congregation it's more women in there than men yeah sitting up there listening to another man i'm not telling you that that you should not yeah because he's giving you life gems the whole nine yards but for whatever reason when it comes to men yeah women don't got that thing but i agree with you there but I think when it comes to if you are a religious black person, I think we immediately <laughs> from childhood just be like, yo, man, I trust my pastor. I trust my I trust. And it's like you just believe this nigga to be because they're a shepherd of the Lord because or supposed to be a shepherd of the Lord and, and a shepherd of the word of Christ. But it's like in real life, the pastor is only supposed to give you the word of Christ. But we'll take them on advice for everything, everything bro. And also, it's just like we too trustworthy in that regard. You grew up and you whatever religion your mama was because mm -hmm. your mother is a is a safe space. Facts. It's a trusted resource. Yeah. Right? And if your mother grew up with her mother and her mother said the pastor was a trusted resource. Yeah. Then he trusts the resource. That's a fact. Whatever you say, I trust because a, a person that I trust said you were good. Yeah. When I give somebody a recommendation and say you should go mess with such and such, depending on who tell me, mm -hmm. depending on who introduces me to somebody, it makes a difference. I fuck with them off rip based on your recommendation. Yep. Right? Yep. And I think that lends itself to the church. And that's the reason why so many of these people got taken advantage of. And I don't think that your church was intentionally trying to take advantage of you. Yeah. But I look at 
anybody who comes to a church selling or promoting or campaigning mm. anything, I mm. look at you sideways because you know what you're doing. You sliding in under the cloak of something. Yeah. And this not what you believe. This not where you worship. Yeah. I get it. You meet people where they at, but I look at you shady. I don't trust it. I just don't trust it. And we need it need to be a mix. I think that religion for black folks has become such a comfort zone. Um, and it should be, right? You should feel comfortable going to God. But I feel like we kind of leave out, in a lot of cases, the going to God part. We go to the man that God sent to our church, and it's like, yo, that person right there ain't always got it. We'll listen to the pastor closer than we listen to God. I need... When I go to you for advice, mm -hmm. whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's relationship based, mm -hmm. I do need you to have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. I also need you to have a relationship with them books. Come on. Huh? I need you to have going through the process and you're still um, a professional and an expert in this field. Yeah. And you also have that relationship with Christ. Yeah. Now, I reference this all the time, but it was... Alan Keyes versus Obama for the Chicago Senate. Mm -hmm. And it was a question that he was like, yo, your own personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for you, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But he referenced was like, yo, this separation of church and state don't, that's not a real thing. Yeah, it don't exist. Because when I have a relationship with God, he is supposed to be in the voting booth with me. It's right. what shapes my mind, my thoughts, my feelings, everything. If I don't have that, then I got a, a, a fate shaped void in my life. Mm -hmm. So I need you to have that relationship. Speaking of this, like you can have that relationship there, but I still need you to know everything else. Yeah. Let that shape your morals yeah. and everything like that. But I, I it need to be both. It just can't be one. Yeah. I, I like think it. for me, I've kind of always thought about pastors as people. I, I wouldn't go to my pastor necessarily for advice. I would go for prayer. I would go for, hey, guide me through the word that can help me deal with whatever I'm dealing with, right? Tell me what scriptures I really need to be honing in on. Um, and then, you know, here's kind of the baseline of my issue that I'm dealing with and I'm coming to you about. Pray for me, dog. But, like, I don't necessarily need you to advise me. Let, I, what I need for you specifically is... To go to the verse, mm -hmm. trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not into your own understanding. Mm -hmm. For all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct your path. When I come to you, I need you to point me to scripture yeah. to tell me where he stands on these particular yeah. issues. Yeah. Because I may not remember. I don't need you to give me your opinion. You yeah. point me into a direction to let know, let me know and let me research where he stands on an opinion. Yeah. And then we can move from there. I don't need to know what you would do because I'm not supposed to lean on your understanding. I'm supposed to lean on his understanding. Well, the, the reason that I brought up the story about my mom's pastor or ex pastors, not our current pastor, current pastor, great dude, great family. Um, but our ex pastor and me kind of off my initial meeting being like, yo, I, I, I really wasn't feeling dog. I ain't really believe him. Um, felt too showy, felt too performative. Um, dog got excavated from the church man he, he he got removed because he wasn't out here living out his word and um 
I get that we all human, right? I, me personally, I don't ever, I don't care what your your job on earth is. I wouldn't put anything above anybody, and that includes, you know, pastors and any other servants of the Lord. Because at the end of the day, y'all ain't the Lord. So sometimes your human nature will get the best of you, right? Um, and in his case, it did. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, it's one of those things where. Us in religion can be such a, a, a sensitive topic, right? It can be such a sensitive conversation because we'll depend on the guidance of our pastors and our deacons and our church folks to help us through some situations that can really make or break our livelihood, right? And I feel like we'll do it so much so that we forget to actually go to Christ about it directly. Like, I'm coming to you because you're here and you're convenient and I can see you and I can touch you. You're a tangible thing. But in real life, when I come to you being tangible, I need you to help me go to him spiritually so I can have that spiritual conversation with God. And we'll forget to do that because I got anything I needed from the pastor. I got anything I needed from the deacon. It's like, no, you needed to go directly to God about that yourself. But you went... Heard a man tell you what to do and never listen to what God told you what to do. And it's like, come on, man. Like, how in your right mind can you charge some people for these caskets this much money? Come on, man. And like, how? Come on, man. The funeral home business, the funeral business, not the funeral home business, the funeral business and really the business of death is one of the most absurd things in the world, but specifically here in America. And when I watched this movie and I read a little bit about this case in real life, it did not shock me that Ray Lowen, a Canadian, was doing this particular business in the United States. Um, Jeremiah O'Keefe owned eight funeral homes and one insurance company. Ray Lowen owned 700 funeral homes, and a hundred cemeteries all in the United States. Now, how many he owned in Canada? Seven. <laughs> Zero. Because, nigga, we're a Canadian-based group doing all our business because the business of death is very much a U.S. business. Yeah. And you go to other countries, their religion alone don't let them make them a, a show out of this shit. Well, like, you've seen the, the video when they're, they're over overseas asking them how much you think a, a doctor visit costs in America? Like, how much do you think? Oh, yeah, is? yeah. They were like, because they kept being wrong. Like, how yeah. much is it to deliver a baby? $2,000? Yeah. And they thinking, like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, 48000 Fam. Minimum. Minimum. They're like, what? Bro. How do you get, the, how do y'all survive over there? When I got out of the hospital in 2021 after I got COVID, um, <laughs> And I got that bill. As much as I still had to pay out of pocket, which was well into the thousands, um, well into the tens of thousands. Thank God for health insurance. Because there literally that would have put me in debt to like not like a credit card debt that like, all right, I could pay this back with some discipline. No, nigga. <laughs> I would have been done. Like it would have been like, yo, who do I talk to about bankruptcy? Like, cause this hospital debt is legitimately about to break me. Cause there's no way I'm paying that back. Cause all the tests, all the shit that I had to do, all the specialists I no, saw. Because they can make up an, a random number and charge you for whatever. For and me. how you going to know? How you going to know? And who you go you to a funeral home and you say, yo, I want to bury my mother. And dog tells you, all right, well, this is the cheapest. Cause I love that that one person said like, I, I got the least expensive package that they had come to find out. 
That was way more than I would have paid on average anywhere else. Three times more. Come on now. Come on now. And think about that, right? If you're paying, let's say, on average 7000 for a casket. And I'm grieving right now. Yeah. And then you pay three times more over here. I'm grieving the loved one who I want to send off well. No, that's 21000 If If I'm going with the funeral, and he telling me this is our lowest package. So I'm thinking I'm getting a deal. And then I found out in real life I could have got that same shit for seven bands. Come on, man. Oh, man. But it's, again, you're able to do it because you're doing it at the guidance of the religious leaders. The idea of us paying $1,000 to put this shit in the box. Come on, man. Put this shit in the ground. A box that, in real life, we literally don't know stays in the ground. We don't know what ha- We legit walk off and assume that, all right, hey, I saw the dirt. We don't even know if the ashes that we get is real ashes. Come on, man. From us. Come on. We Come don't on. know. Literally, remember all them fucking bodies that they found at the here in Detroit. Yeah, all the funeral homes yeah. are like, yo, bodies, <laughs> nigga, this body from four, five years. Bodies, ago. bodies, body. Literally though, literally, bro. You remember they was shit. all in the attic. They was everywhere, bro. You remember during COVID they was putting bodies in fucking eighteen wheelers, nigga, because we don't even know what to do, dog. You could not keep up with your loved ones a couple years ago. They said, I thought y'all said y'all cremated. Come on, man. Dog upstairs. Come on. Bodies. They just, hey, man, just cover the smell. Yo, we went to go exhume a body. There ain't nobody in here. Come on. Dog, I remember, rest in peace, my cousin Karen. Um, she's like a sister to me, man. Me and her were, were raised literally together. Um, I remember when me and my aunt, rest in peace, my aunt, she passed a few years um, after my cousin. But I remember when we went to go see her, right? Me and my aunt go to Karen's gravesite on Mother's Day. Because I want to go see my daughter on Mother's Day. The cemetery, without notice, had moved my cousin's body from where it was. So we go over there, and it's a different plot. And we like, what? And then we go in there like, yo, uh, Karen Carr, like, she was supposed to be here. And they like, oh, yeah, because you didn't buy this package, we had no legal obligation to keep the body here, so we actually put the body over here. So, But if you want to upgrade the package, and it's like, fam, this was like maybe six years after my cousin had passed. How about this, dog? Have you ever seen a new uh, a new cemetery open up? No. No. Fam, it's too many people who die for me never to see a new cemetery. Mm-mm. It's impossible. I'm just talking about Michigan. Yeah. It's impossible. I'm saying the word impossible. Yeah. It's impossible for as many as people who die every single day. I've never seen a, a brand mm-hmm. new cemetery. No. Nope. That doesn't mean that they haven't, there hasn't been one that opened up. Yeah. I'll do a Google search later. Bro. But it's impossible. Same one on Grand River. Same one. On, like, we know where they at, bro. Um, That's where my cousin buried, the one on Grand River. Um. What's funny, in Alabama, uh, on my dad's side of the family, my family has literally, like, we've been on the plots for, like, most of my pop's side of the family, right? So when you go up on the hill at this one funeral home, that's all my pop's side. Like, there's nobody else up there. And it's like, yeah, dog, they ain't, like, adding more land. It's just people keep dying, and somehow we keep fitting them in these same spaces that we've already, like, had for mad years, dog. Yeah, they don't know funeral home, bro. And it's wild because it's like July thirty first. They say twelve hundred new cemetery plots coming to Kalamazoo. Twelve hundred, bro. More niggas die in Kalamazoo every day. <laughs> I mean, well, like, bro. but like, think about it though. 
you buy uh, land for a cemetery, right? Just from the land and like the amount of space that it would take to bury, I don't know, however many bodies that you land, you can pretty much calculate how much business you should be able to do, right? Like, hey, if we got, I don't know, four acres and I don't know, this is all just me off the top. You but know, like, I just, I just found out. As I'm speaking, okay, you got to have at least to be buried on your own property. You got to have at least one acre. Okay, so damn. All right, so for hundreds, probably takes a lot of acreage, right? Um, but we live in Detroit. It ain't just hundreds of people dying around this motherfucker. This is cemetery on Evergreen, right across from Fridays. Come on, man. That shit about the size of a front yard. Come on, man. Nigga, there was a cemetery. Literally on Lasser and say Telegraph when I lived over there, mm-hmm. Civic Center Drive and Telegraph. I didn't even realize my carport was in front of a, a fucking cemetery. Yeah, but you probably put fifty people in there though. Yeah, it's just wild to me that to not have any new funeral or I'm sorry, any new cemeteries pop up. Barely any new funeral homes popping up, but to not have any new cemeteries pop up. With the amount of people that we know die in and around this city every day. Boy, I, I just watching crime today, a lot of people die. Come on, man. Come on, man. And them just violent and young it's like, folks. Where y'all burying them? Or not where y'all burying them. Where y'all keeping the people that died last year? I guess y'all just got to cremate everybody. Come on, man. Because ain't no way they going in the ground. Fam. It's six bodies on top of this plot. We're We're 40 year olds. In the 40 years that we've been alive, there have been enough people to die in Detroit alone that the spot on fucking Grand River would have needed to expand a little bit. Like, you can't tell me that y'all just happened to buy all the right amount of land back in 1960, whatever, and y'all ain't moved none of them bodies. Y'all ain't cremated none of them people. Y'all ain't made space for new bodies. Like, come on, son. Don't play with me, dog. But again, yeah, it's I'm big business to, and death. Yo. I'm trying to find out how many people die in Detroit every year. And one of these statistics, crime in Detroit. As of 2018, Detroit had the fourth highest murder rate among cities in the United States. Yikes. And this is just violent crime. We're not talking about people who just, hey, I had a heart attack. <laughs> like, oh, I froze to death. It's cold around the small. I said, how many people die in Detroit every year? And every, these are all murder statistics. Jeez, they didn't even think about nah, just, nah. just dying. Nah, these you are all murder statistics. Yo, you ain't have a cold. You ain't get the flu <laughs> and just pass out, nigga. Like, yo, it's just, it's a very wild thing to think about because we really don't be knowing what's going on with our yeah. loved ones, dog. Post-death. We don't know. Nigga, September of 2003. That's last month. Yeah. 4,483. You know how much it was for August? Hmm. 8,118. July, 8,071. Shit. June, 7,840. May, 8,548. Shit. April, 8,338. I'm 81. March, 8,849. February, 8,124. January, 9,391. So roughly about 8,500 people die every month in just in the city of Detroit. Yeah. Nigga. And all the... Here's the thing, right? This is just the first nine months of the year. I know from the amount of people that have died in my family alone 
only a couple of them have been cremated. Like we're not cremating everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's been again very rare and in my family it's been more on like requests. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what the person wanted. Cremate me. We ain't we ain't really like the cremating family though. Cremate me. <laughs> so I'm just I'm very fucking like mm, I don't really know that y'all just cremating folks around this bitch. Like hit me. Yeah, it's real, dog. Somebody posted that video the other day. I forget what show it was, but he was like, "No, you gotta act like you're crazy. Tell him hit me, hit me." <laughs> What's came, funny? Niggas will hit you. Don't do that. The little boy came home busting the roof. He was like, "What happened? Like, did you say what they told him? Yeah. He said, "What they do? He's like, "He hit me." Yeah, you gonna get hit in your shit. What's get the your joint with uh? I think that was the joint with Dwayne Martin and like uh, Lisa. Oh, we're all white. Dwayne Martin. Oh, uh, uh, all of us. Yeah, yeah. He had a that was a boy. good show. Yeah, the little boy on there. Yeah, hit me. Yo, I remember that. I remember that. Dog, hit little curly me. head boy. Yeah. yeah. Yo, that was a very entertaining show. Dog. It was. And uh, Shout uh, to Will Smith and his boyfriend. What was um what was old girl name? Uh that was like the current girlfriend, Elise Neal. Yeah. Yo, that was yo, man. I miss when like our like good but also popular black actors was like, yeah, man, I'm in shit. Like I'm I'm working. I'm doing like everything don't gotta be an Oscar or Emmy winner, bro. Sometimes you just wanna like work and be in some consistent shit. Yeah. Shout out to like Cedric for his show being on like five or six seasons now, dog. He got a CBS show that's popular as hell called The Neighborhood. And it's like, nigga, I'm just over here working. I ain't never watched The Neighborhood. My pops like it. But it's like, yeah, I'm just over here working, dog. Um, speaking of our our prominent black actors, Rob brought up Jamie Foxx's performance in this movie, right? Um, his performance as Willie Gary and and just sort of his space or his place in the pantheon of black actors or shit, actors, period. Man. All right, I gave, I gave him the, the, the hand is because Jamie Foxx been in a lot of fucking movies. Factual. They not all hits. Not at all. And, not, and I'm not talking about hits as in like box office. Yeah. Like Jamie Foxx is extremely talented. Yeah. He is not as consistent with his great performances mm. as some others have been. Yeah. Um, and I heard Denzel talk. I don't know why Denzel been on my timeline so much, so much recently, but mm-hmm. he said, your first couple of years in the industry determines what kind of actor you're going to be. Mm. Like, so you got to be real selective with the roles you take. Yeah. Now, not everybody can do that when I need to pay rent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I need to, or I need to take care of my family or do something like that. So I I can't money mourning cornerback anybody. Right, Jamie right. Fox is more telling it to me. Right, um, right. And that he has proved to be in front of the public more talented to me because I'm a talented motherfucker. You feel me? I mean. Um, but uh like of course Ray. Yeah. Um, any given Sunday. Yep. Um this movie. Yeah. Um, what's some other like standout performances from Hold Jamie Foxx? I'm I'm pulling up the Theography, right? Because yeah. I, I want to make sure that we get everything. Um, my ass and typed in Jameson, <laughs> Jameson Winston. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this nigga's not talented. Um, all right, Jamie Fox, Django, he killed it. They cloned Tyrone. Yeah, 
I love the movie. Yeah, I love Django. Django, I don't, I don't think. I don't like, think his performance was like crazy. I thought it was just like a really good Jamie Foxx performance. Yeah. Um, standout. We got Ray. We got the burial. Um, Collateral. I thought he was really great in, but that was more of a Tom Cruise. You remember yeah. that joint? Yeah. Um, Law Abiding Citizen. I actually didn't love his acting in that. Like some of the movies. Did you ever watch Just Mercy, dog? No. I did. So what's funny is niggas told me not only was that one of Jamie's better performances, it's easily the best Michael B. Jordan acting you've gotten. I never watched it. Well, I don't, and I don't know why I didn't watch it. Especially for niggas like us or people like us who like watch movies. Yeah. I have no and it's idea. a courtroom drama. We talking about courtroom shit. And I, I literally, maybe because. I, I just wasn't, the trailers wasn't interesting. I don't yeah. know. I didn't, I don't want Michael B. Jordan to be my lawyer. But everybody told me that they both like did phenomenally in that movie. Um, I love see. Soul. Soul was great, cartoon. but it's a voiceover, yeah. so not you know, not that that ain't it don't take talent, but uh, Jarhead maybe that was a Jake Gyllenhaal movie though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sleepless was. I mean, the movie wasn't great, but it was a good fucking <laughs> Ali. Ali, he that's did, a great performance. He did, from good, him. he did good. Ali, Yo, Horrible Bosses was a great performance from that nigga. It's a cameo, but hey, fuck it. Um, Players Club, no Stealth, no. <laughs> no. Like them was all serviceable movies, but like yo, Bait might have been the worst my, movie that I've ever seen. It's one of my seen. favorite movies. I hate Bait like, so much. I tell you, I you, I say something from Bait all the time, man. Like when him and Mike Epps was talking about, <laughs> and they say, uh, you want the good news or the bad news? Yeah. He said, hey, good news. He's like, well, you already told me, like, it's, it's bad news unless you got, like, some worse news. Yeah. But when he, we in there, baby. We in there, baby. Oh, when he got in there with the prongs or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I thought that movie was, I thought that was a good Mike Epps funny movie. No, Mike Epps was hilarious in yeah. Um, Held Up was also terrible. <laughs> Him and Neil Long, I never, I want them to do another movie together because that wasn't it. Yeah. Um, Breaking All the Rules. I hated that movie so much, dog. Yeah, man. Yo, the discography ain't it ain't you know that Jamie Foxx filmography is very like now wh- it's heavy on uh uh com- well he's it's, it's heavy very on comedy and it's heavy on comedy because yeah. I'm a comedian too yeah so a lot of these are comedic roles yeah um, but when you when you think about the standout performances it's any given Sunday it's Ray yo this was really good the Project Power shit you remember yeah, that? Yeah, that that was, was very good I mean but again nobody's going to that like that was also just like the Vampire movie. Yeah. It's the same movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Jamie got a lot of quantity for show. He didn't put in work, but there are definitely some performances that I'm like, eh. It was cool. But we know the talent. That's the thing. Jamie Foxx is kind of, you know who Can Jamie Foxx remind me of? What? Different industry. He remind me of Chris Brown. Where what it's the- like, I know you're insanely talented. I, this is my question. But the product. What the fuck do Jamie Foxx be doing? You're not making music. Facts. You're not doing stand-up. Facts. It don't even seem like you like in a, a you're not putting like everything into like what you be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sure it's something. <laughs> you feel the me? Jamie Foxx show went off a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like what do you be doing? Yeah. I'm very he, he uh disappeared and shit. <laughs> Playing pickleball, apparently. Man, man. But what you know what I'm saying? Like where Jamie is also one of them dudes where it's like you're so talented that I almost wonder, like, at his talent level, right, kind of like a Denzel, where it's like, in real life, 
I think early in Jamie's career, I took what was coming to me. But I feel like in this half of Jamie's career, it's like Very I, I can be selective. Because if I do a stealth right now, people will flame me. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, shit, I know I'm beyond that right now. Because all the shit that we just mentioned that was kind of like misses was also early in the Jamie F- back when he was a comedian for the most part, right? It took until, not necessarily it took until Ray, but that was kind of like the turning point where niggas was like, oh, I'm taking him serious as an actor, dog. And then you get the Oscar and you get, and now it's like, okay. Like, these movies are not bad. Like, I, I enjoyed Held Up. Oh, I hated Held Up. Like, I would have thrown that movie out the window. Like, when you're watching it, this, I, I can watch it on HBO, one of them joints. It's not like, yo, turn this off. Like, yeah. it was, you know, fucking... It's a movie. Yeah, you feel me? I'd, have, I'd have burned hell up, held up to the ground. I I really hated that. I watched Bait thirty times with my pops before I watched Held Up. Um, but the earlier, lighter, more comedic Jamie Foxx roles definitely kind of put maybe a, a bit of a. This is what he do on him, and then he did Ray, and it was like, okay, now we can open this up. Yeah. And you think about this latter half, even with the movies that are like. Really good performances, really strong ones, even if they weren't like the ones that are defining. How do you think he did in Spider Man? Or was it Batman? No, it was Spider Man. Spider Man. I think it was like Homecoming or something like yeah. that. No, I think he killed that. Here's the thing Jamie as a villain, yo, give me that a million times, dog. Because I also like seeing actors go do something that's maybe against what I normally expect out of them. Um, but I think that's why kind of the flip side with this role as Willie Gary, why he kind of crushed it? Because it was like, nigga, this was like a ready-made for a Jamie Foxx-level actor. Like, you think about Courtney B. Vance's Johnny Cochran, right? One of the greatest TV performances I've personally ever seen. I feel like that shit need to be in movies. Bro. Like, that shit was just good. It was on, like, E or something. No, FX. From the American Horror Story, nigga, dog. Whose mind, I'm like, if you can do OJ and do American Horror Story, like, your mind is, you're a wild nigga. But FX is one of them. FX and HBO. They, like, right here for me, dog. Because if FX start going down they, uh filmography, <laughs> HBO going to have a long day, dog. Um, but put some, put some respect on HBO name, though. No, no, no. Because, like. HBO led all this <laughs> shit. Like. It's probably not even close, but on awards. No, when you, however, no, on awards, it's probably nowhere near. Like, however, there. and HBO has been has been doing this for forty years, yeah. so it's probably not close. Now, if we just take a look at the last the last fifteen, 15 years, FX is right there, dog. But it's like, come on, HBO, you made Sopranos, Oz, and uh, The Wire. Even the last couple of years, like, it's been a lot of good HBO shit. Yeah, but it's been a lot of good FX shit. Like, uh. I want to say the mayor of Kingstown, but it was it was something. No, 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 that's the mayor of. Um, but what it was, but it was something. Oh no, really, mayor of Easttown. Easttown. Yeah, but see, that's that's where HBO pissed me off. Because why y'all made that a miniseries? Because nigga, if you think I didn't want another season of that, <laughs> you're crazy, nigga. That shit was that, phenomenal. The shit with Nicole Kidman. Phenomenal. Like uh, the Undoing. Yeah, like that phenomenal. shit was great. Yo, yo, HBO made Hugh Grant a villain. Man, the nicest nigga in the world. Um, speaking of though. So you get this Jamie Foxx performance. He comes out here, absolutely crushes this shit. 
Now I want to see more Jamie Foxx, dog. That's what that's what makes me. I know how great Jamie Foxx is, and this is one of them performances that remind yeah. you of it. Side note: This is not to take away from Rob, because Rob, I oh, want no, no, no. I one hundred percent understand everything that you were saying. No, no. Because when Jamie Foxx gets in his in when his he get bag, in his bag, he's there. When he get in my serious bag, when you give me a serious role, I yeah. act seriously. Yeah, and you know all these roles just are not don't call for it. Yeah. But and Jamie uh, Foxx is he's so good. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, you ever see this is kind of how I feel about Journey Smollett. And this is why I loved her in this role. Cause I felt like she could have easily been the same Journey Smollett we've seen in every Journey Smollett movie or TV show or whatever, and come in here and just kind of walk through this shit. But I felt like she really challenged herself. To be a little different than my normal fucking self, dog. Um, that's why niggas, when we start talking about like, like a Will Smith, nigga, we know how talented Will Smith is. You're a really fucking good actor, dog. But sometimes it feel like this too easy for me, man. Because Will Smith and his team have put the um, a formula together of how you 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 be in a in a, in a hit movie. Yeah, and he yeah. did a little formula and it worked well. Yeah, but at some point. You got to come out of that formula and take a risk. Yeah. And that's what I feel like in the films that Jamie Foxx has done the most memorable performances in. These were risky films. Nigga, Django was a risk off top. Uh, Ray is a risk because we know that doing a fucking uh, biopic, you could blow it. nigga, <laughs> Or it could just be a bad movie. Nigga. So Jamie Foxx, I think the reason that he's a really good actor is because he's a stand-up comedian. Um, stand-up comedian, most talented people in the world. Um, stand-up comedians see the world differently, and mm-hmm. they have to explain the world how they see it. So yeah. you can give them direction on how to be a particular person. Yeah, um, he is really good at impressions. Yeah, so he take the jokey joke impressions from. Ray and then spend time with Ray and actually learn them in verbatim. Yeah. He used to make the Mike Tyson jokes, but now when he does the Mike Tyson voice and it's very serious. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've I've watched Jamie Foxx do the recent Mike Tyson voice. Yeah. It's like, yo, give me this movie. Yeah. Already. That y'all been, made for me, y'all been telling me for seven years. Damn, I'll never forget doing. when I saw him do that on Ebro in the morning. And talk about that opening scene of the film that they were discussing what was 15 <laughs> years ago, bro. When he did that, like, I legit was, like, silent yeah. by the end of it. I was like, that was captivating as fuck. Like, bro. yeah, now, you know, now I, I don't have any money. So, like, he just, in the mannerisms and everything, though you and Michael, I mean, you and Mike Tyson is the same age. So, yeah. you might as well get Mike Tyson to play Mike Tyson. I mean, uh, I mean but, because if we just need an old nigga to sound like him, he sound like himself. Yeah, but. Bro. <laughs> Dog from that, uh, did you ever watch Tyson mm-hmm. on Hulu? Mm-hmm. Yo, so I finally ended up watching it. That was a very good show, though. Tyson said don't watch it. I didn't watch it. Yeah, no, that's how I was when it was live. Now, and I watched it on my illegal shit, so oh, <laughs> nobody nobody get the numbers. You know what I'm saying? Um, that shit was very good. And Dog Who Played Him, phenomenal job. But to your point about Mike and Jamie being the same age, I was trying to think of, like, okay, on the younger end, who could play him? Yeah. You know well, what I'm saying? Also... At 14, Mike looked like a grown man. Also so that. you don't actually also need that. that. He was 18 years old, 19 years old, being a heavyweight champion in the yeah. world. So you would either have to get a child or just get a nigga that look old. Mike and Herschel Walker were the most adult-looking teenagers I've ever seen in my life, period. And they stayed the same age for 25 years. Facts. Like, and they also stayed the same shape Yeah, 25. for 25 years. Fam, Herschel Walker? Like... Mm-hmm. 
In the last 10 years, I saw him in Octagon. <laughs> like, No, Herschel Walker is in better shape now than he was as a professional football player. Like, It's kind of wild. But then he went to a professional fighter yeah. in the strike force. Because I'm going to be a UFC or a uh, MMA fighter at 60-something. That shit was crazy. It and was beating niggas up. Yeah. Like, bro, it's, it's wild. Crazy. I, I, he also has uh, mad CTE. Yeah. Now, speaking of Jamie Foxx. Okay. And acting and okay. getting in his bag. There were a couple of scenes in this movie that I was like, this is what I needed in order to make this a, a really good movie. So okay. there's a few scenes. Um, the scene when he had to apologize to O'Keefe. Yeah, Tommy Jones character. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like, that was acting. Yeah. You know, the yeah. conversation that he had with his wife and ha- yeah. having to apologize. Like, on screen, that scene between the both of them, mm-hmm. that was really good to me. Yeah. Um, the scene when he had to explain why he became a lawyer and how yeah. he became a lawyer. Yeah. Like, that was really good to me. Um, when he was having a conversation on his prop on his at his mom's house. Mm-hmm. Like, that those, was the one. Those that was were, the one. Those were ones like, all right, I can... Cool. It's a. It's you got some racial shit here. Yeah. You got a couple of jokes in here. Uh, we got the courtroom shit, but like I need the connecting. Like those are the connected things, but this yeah. is the meat and the potatoes of who these people are, right? And Tommy Lee Jones had those as well because, like, yo, this is who. I, how it started off, him and his wife looking at the the mm-hmm. twenty six grandchildren and eleven kids and all this blase blah, blah, yeah. And him setting like, yo, at some point in the screenwriting process. You have to state who these people are, yeah. why they the way, why they are the way that they are. We got to tell that to the audience, and it has to be believable to the audience. Right. And those were the ones that like endeared me specifically to this character because you can be wild and brash and flashy. That's one thing. Yeah. But to, for me to feel endeared to these characters, it, it was like in those scenes, I'm like, yes. You got it. And yeah. that's acting. That's not you being performative. Because, mm-hmm. nigga, I can get in front of a, a courtroom and say some lines and be real performative. Yeah, facts. But, like, this is the acting part. Like, this is the serious part. Yeah. And I I enjoy those those sections um, immensely. I agree with you. I also just thought about something else I enjoyed. Um, Amanda Warren, who played uh, Willie Gary's wife, mm. um, Gloria Gary. I thought she did a very great subdued performance, right? She wasn't all over the film. Um, but when she was in scenes, I felt just like she lit up the scene a little bit, man, and and really did. It was a very strong, very subdued role for her. I also felt like, I don't know if it was the directing or just the writing, like I felt that specifically when Tommy Lee Jones' character came to talk to um, – Willie face to face, yeah. right? And tell him, look, this shit is over with. Right. When he came to the house and she was there, his wife was there, like I felt like without it being overly drawn out or making a spectacle of it, like you just got to peek into how black people are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, oh no, he had his uh, mom's house. I'm not, a, tch, your family. Oh, you, the guy yeah. he be talking about all the time. Oh, he really likes you. And it was something specific she said. He had his mom's house like he is every Saturday. That's black folk shit. I go see my parents every Friday. Every Friday. I usually don't work Friday. Um, and if I do, it's light. So I pull up on them every Friday. Make sure I see my pops, cut his hair. 
kick it with my mom for a minute. Every fucking week. Um, most black folks, man, family is really something, dog. And, and it really matters. And I love that in both the real life case and in the movie, they made sure to connect Jeremiah O'Keefe's love for his family and, and him doing what he's doing specifically to make sure my family good. And connect that with the family values that Willie Gary had. Yeah. Uh, like, because that connection is where race gets eliminated, right? Um, This is where, hey, nigga, we all humans at the end of the day. And bro. we all the same. That's it. Like, we legit, you trying to do something for your family, me too. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm one of, I don't know, 13 or 12, yeah. however many. He said, uh, Jamie, or Willie Gary was uh, one of 11. And, and old boy had 13 kids. Old boy had kids. 13 kids, yeah. And then, <laughs> that was a funny-ass part, too. That nigga was like, damn, y'all got damn near 30 children. Like, But it's real, dog. And it's um, it's something that I don't think in this day and age, especially in media, right, TV, movie shit, we don't always, like, see the familial values as much anymore. And I'm like... Yo, it was good to watch a movie like this and take us back to a time where that was something that mattered to us, dog. And I didn't feel like the "Don't Be a Menace" with Kenan Ivory Reigns popping up saying "Message." Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I it, didn't feel no, that. No, no, no. They they did not make it corny. They didn't make it cheesy. They didn't make it feel like a ABC Family movie moment. And, and they didn't dwell on it. We said it and we moved yeah, on. Yeah. Because and here's the thing, right? If you write the project well enough. You don't really have to say it more than one time because we'll see it in what the characters are fucking doing, bro. You know what's all interesting, though? The judge in this is a known actor, too. I don't yeah, know his name. Yeah. But he ain't really do nothing the yeah. whole fucking trial. No. <laughs> like, he let everything go on said, both sides. That nigga said overruled 30 times. He man. he all like, you get your overruled. Go ahead, yeah. say, say, what you, say what you're saying, my nigga. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but um, let's, let's talk about it. So the strategy for both teams to say, yo, we're going down here to this predominantly black area, which means we're going to have a predominantly, if not all black jury. Let's go get all the black lawyers we can find real quick. <laughs> this was how, how made this come together. How 100% put it together. He made it come together for both sides. Because when I went off and got Willie Gary and then he brought his team, the other side was like, okay, I know what we got to do. Like, how recognize that like you know we need something different yeah i know where this is gonna be my man races he comes off as a, a bigot i won't yeah. call him racist yeah there's a difference he comes off as a bigot um he don't know no black people like that yeah i've never seen you look young yeah um and I, i'm glad they kept saying that part remember he met some random person well not random uh in the diner and she's like you my lawyer oh I yeah thought it was yeah like he was like he about to say like what you because I'm black like nah because you're lucky about twelve a kid bro um, and that's the thing like because one thing black folks especially going to court <laughs> nigga you gotta look like you had some experience in this motherfucker yeah. we not playing dog like it's my life um so the the wherewithal to say we need to go out here and find a spark plug dog something that we know no matter what win or lose is gonna bring a different energy and a different fucking vantage point to this case you think he was so again i told y'all i didn't realize that this was about the real will gary lawyer, right? yeah, yeah so when he brought him to him and showed him that tape i have no idea where this movie's going yet yeah yeah 
He shown in the, the lifestyle of the rich, uh, rich and famous. famous. Shout out to that. I'm like, oh, this nigga a fraud. Yeah. He gonna find out that he don't live in this mansion. He yeah. don't. I'm like, oh, he's just putting on money. Yeah. Yeah. He just putting on. And then when they went to court and seen him, I'm like, oh no, that's nigga for real. Yeah. Uh, he because what he he won like seventy five million dollars that first case. Yeah. With the with the, with the, the um car accident. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is like I'm thinking it's gonna be a. Yo, I brought him in here. He really not that good. Yeah, he he really just putting on just to to get bigger clients or whatever. He's some yeah. some shyster lawyer. Sorry if that's a racially ambiguous, I mean stereotypical term, but I didn't grow up like that. Um, uh, niggas wearing a shysty every day. B. Yeah, but you know that's supposed to be some like something about Jewish people. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, um, they like makes sense. Um, yeah, hey, like, yeah. Apologies, don't shut us down. Yeah, but that's just like I never knew that Indian giver was like a term. Yeah, that we shouldn't use. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, the first time I said that, my auntie was like, "Don't say that again in front of me." She was a teacher, and she was like, "That that you can't get that off." <laughs> I was like, "That's what." I was. Like, I don't know where I got Look, it from. In my mind, I was like, "But you really did take that back, though." So was it was it a blanket? <laughs> <laughs> like niggas gave him the smallpox small blanket. <laughs> like, uh, anywho, Yo, man. Uh, but like, I, I didn't know yet. It was. Yeah, still, I mean, this, yeah. we hadn't even got to the lawyer portion. I'm like, "Yo, you about to you about to fuck this up." So what was also crazy, um, and it was again something that it came up throughout the movie, but they didn't really sit in the details. It was just kind of one of them, like if you know, you know. Um, a personal injury lawyer overseeing a contract law matter, in most cases, is probably the fucking worst thing you could do. These are two different trials, dog. Tell them, nah, I, don't, I ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah, and that, and here's the thing, right? If you know lawyers, especially lawyers like a Willie Gary. Nigga, I take cases I can win. Period. Nigga, I don't practice. Con- These are two different types of law, dog. Like, and not that I can't, but I don't do this. So if I don't do this, that means I'm not 100% certain that I can win. And if I ain't certain I can win, I'm not walking in no courtroom with you, dog. I'm also undefeated in 12 years. So Come I'm on, not man. trying to. And I Come don't. Come on. My record matters, bro. And I don't, and I don't cop out. Yeah. So. And. Him being him, because the initial suit was for what six million? Yeah, he's like, it's like, bro, that's little money. I don't, I sue Disney, I sue niggas for tens and hundreds of millions. I don't, my nigga, a year after that case, I won a suit for 23 billion, dog. I don't play little games with you, niggas. The fact there's a company who can play 23 billion is, is also absurd, but it's what Apple, it's also, made that. Apple tripled that last quarter. But that's also why uh, R.J. Reynolds kept fucking fighting to get that shit overturned in 2019. Because we worked that. We don't actually have it. bitch, I'm not giving you that money, dog. Um, but even in this case, right, where we won and the jury awarded them uh, or awarded them O'Keefe. So in real life, $500 million. Mm. He awarded O'Keefe $500 million, But Oh, it was 100 plus another 400 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after some back and forth and appeals and all that, they settled at 150 million, um, which they showed in, in the movie and in yeah. real life. But what you think about my dog? This is jumping forward a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we he's like, uh, like you have no idea. Like you, you don't even know the number that'll bankrupt me because it's not this. It's Man. not this hundred million you talking yo. about. So what's funny it, when he a, said it'll that? Take a lot more to bankrupt me, young man. When he said it, I literally was like. 
yeah, wherever this goes, they're going <laughs> to bankrupt him. <laughs> I was like, because that's a very, like, that was a stunty thing to say, bro. Fam, you, I thought that was. <sighs> yo, flip the paper over, my nigga. Man. I man. hate that. Yo, you know what? I hated it while I was watching it. But then I liked where the movie went, so I wasn't mad at yeah. it. But I was like, show me what they, show me the money. Fam, this your legal team, this my legal team. We all going to find out what it was. Nigga, flip this shit yeah. over. But I'm like, I, I did enjoy the way that they handled that scene because it was very much like, yo, I'm going to show you, but I ain't showing the audience. Anybody willing to cop to $75 million before the verdict? Yeah. Uh, we going <laughs> to. I'll be honest with you. I probably would have took it, though. Here's the thing, dog. Because I, I got that immediately right now. We ain't got to keep going back and forth in court. Is $75 million is what you're willing to give me? Because you know we got you up against the ropes? I probably would And think about it, right? At the end of it, they walked away with double that, $150 mil. Um, But the balls to sit there, see that $75, knowing we getting this, and be like, yeah, nah. Woo! It's tough because I got to put my, 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 my faith inside of the jury, though. Yeah. I don't. I have no idea what the jury gonna be. Now I will say again, salute to Hal, because Hal not only was the one with the wherewithal to go and get this black uh, legal team, but he was also the one with the wherewithal to go and figure out the thing with the National Baptist Convention. If he had not done that in real life and in this movie, they lose this case. Oh, I thought it was weak as hell that his team left. Oh, for sure. I thought that shit was weak for as sure. hell. I'm like, what the fuck? It? Just because y'all are emotional that his grandfather, his great-grandfather was a KKK? I need you to denounce him right now. Fam, nigga, go denounce your mama for fucking yeah. somebody else on your daddy. Like, I Yo, don't. Here's the thing, y'all. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Very fucking good tactic by the defense, right? I, I, I thought that was amazing to bring that up. And they said... As they were talking about uh, Journey's character, like, yo, she kills niggas on cross-examination. Like, that's what she does. So when they put Dog on the stand, um, who had already come off as this bigoted-ass person, but we knew he was fucking Jeremiah O'Keefe's best friend, so it was like, he can't be a bad person necessarily, but bigotry is one of them things where it's just like, you once might not even recognize it in yourself. Once you bring that shit out about me about my grandfather, I'm 100% denouncing my grandfather in court. Yeah. And here's the thing, the right? I'm like, you know what? When you asked me that, nothing in my brain told me my grandfather. You are absolutely right. Because when she was asking him, she started it out by saying, like, you love your family, right? Like, you you wouldn't denounce any of your family members. And he like, nah. I thought you meant, like, family that have, like, a lie. Yeah. Like, my grandfather, great-grandfather, whatever, he been dead. And I'm like, yo, oh, his beliefs, that don't mean that they, he raised me to be this type of man. He didn't raise me to be a racist. He didn't raise me to be a Ku Klux Klan member, nigga, which is why I'm not. I probably could have got in, bro. Like, if I'm on a jury and somebody tell me that shit, like, I don't don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I don't give a fuck that um, O'Keefe fucked the money up. Yeah. You know but what I'm saying? To that point, though, you think about like the time period we were in, right? Um, when you got the '90s was a very like, I mean, the 2000s are very race triggering too. But you think about the specifically OJ Simpson, yeah, and that's what this is post OJ. So you think about that time period? No, it's during because they were '95. Because they watched yeah, the they trial were watching the, the trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. You're during, right. And it was all that build up, like nah, white folks said. 
he guilty. We yeah. innocent this time. Yeah. So like this was that. No, we need black. And it was like all you gotta do back then is mention a nigga being a little bit racist, dog. And motherfuckers was probably gonna go the other way. So it was definitely a great tactic. But dog could have been like, nigga, fuck my granddaddy. <laughs> nigga, yeah. I don't care. The 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 scene that won that the one the case and won the movie was yeah. no no my nigga how much was your boat mm. how big was your boat you don't know how much you spent on your boat yeah and he would I didn't know where he was going with that yeah and he would not let up yeah no I know about like I'll tell you how much my 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 jet costs yep no how much was your boat yeah what's funny is when Willie Gary and my bad earlier. I think I I might have killed Willie Gary uh, on the pod. He's not dead. My bad. Because he was in the movie. Yeah, no, no, no. My bad. If I said that, my bad. Um, I was like looking at something about somebody else involved in this case who was dead, and I just ran with it. But um, Willie Gary specifically talked about, I think it was like an article with like USA Today or New York Times, one of them. But he was talking about bringing up Dog's boat price. And in real life, in the trial, dog reverted and said, well, how much is your plane? Because I saw that plane, and Willie Gary was like, in that moment, I thought, like, I really could tell you the price of my plane. Like, I'm not afraid. But he was like, I knew I had him. So he was like, I kept going at him not to avoid how much my plane costs, but I knew he was not going to say how much that boat costs. And he was like, dog, that was the first moment that I knew I had that trial. Right there. And I was like... Got him. You fucking got him, dog. <laughs> like it's so much. This reminded me so much of battle rap. Mm. Because most recently, it's not about who can rap the best. Facts. It's about what angle do I take? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get an angle and it's hard to come back from. Yeah. Like when Geechee and Easy went up there, man. The angle is. Nigga, you fucked up Remy and Papu shit. All Geechee had to do was not fuck the angle up. Yeah. If you can go up there and hit, because the angle's obvious. You got to take it, right? But if you go up there and do it, like, poorly, you could lose this battle. But if you go up there and just do it kind of like, eh, good. And when, that's what he did. When Calico and um Lux battle, mm-hmm. it was all about the angle. Yeah. Like, I... You a lost nigga. And not only all about the angle, timing is everything. Yeah. Because for Lux specifically, Lux and Calico, hey, my first two rounds were not good. Like, I came out with all the momentum in the world and very quickly lost it and lost this crowd. But that third round that I saved for you made you forget that the other two rounds existed. Yeah. And in this case, right, um, yo, I didn't bring up nothing about this nigga's finances early right i waited for two things waited till he got on trial and could defend or not defend himself but i also waited till that national black convention stuff came out because somebody got killed yeah somebody got killed on the stand and they had to bring him yeah who was it that got killed Uh, on the stand uh, jeremiah o'keefe he got killed when they put him on the stand no but because something happened to make the that was fucked up for them to make him get on the stand. Um because he was like, now nah, I gotta put him on the stand. But I don't remember what who got somebody got torched. I just don't I just don't remember. I think it was O'Keefe, dog. 
I think because that was matter of fact, it was O'Keefe because that's when I uh, when um when Jamie called his wife and she was like, "Yo, okay, baby, you don't sound." He was like, "I messed up. Like I put O'Keefe on the stand, and and I shouldn't have did that because I ain't have him prepared." So he got killed in cross. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's again, yo, yo. Journey was lighting niggas up on that cross examination, bro. But that's what he was like. I ain't have him prepared enough. Yeah. And I pulled that trigger too fast. And I should have took my time, but then I didn't. And he was like, I messed up and, and I, I also just feel bad. And he then he so the reason he had to apologize, because one, I fucked up and I tried to shift the blame onto you. Mm. Why didn't you tell me this? Yeah. You gotta yeah. tell me everything. Yeah. You gotta ask questions, man. Yeah. You gotta do your discovery. Yep. You gotta ask questions yep. to under because you shouldn't be an, asking questions that you don't know the answer to. Facts. Facts. So like you did fuck up. Yeah. And you could have ruined it all. And he has everything on the line. Yeah. This is it for him. He took a third mortgage on his crib. Nigga, this is really it, bro. And to learn when I was doing my research that he bought that crib back. That his family had lost during the Great Depression, yo, nigga, I'm not losing this bitch again, dog. Like when I say I got everything on the line, I mean that, bro. And I gotta pay your expensive ass and your expensive ass team and my lawyers, nigga, because they work for me directly. Think of the cable got turned off. Come on, <laughs> now. yo, his wife was really like, uh, "What's up with Turner Broadcast Network?" Yeah, I was like, "No TNT, my G." Nah, nigga, <laughs> um, you and fucking uh, Law and Order reruns Shout can relax. Out to- HBO Max for having the NBA games on there, though. That's so no, that's clutch. very fucking clutch. clutch. It's very clutch. Um, usually in basketball season, I have to get like a, a cable package mm. to watch the basketball games. Yeah, TNT specifically. Yeah, but sh- on the go because shout out to my first nigga. Uh, but on the go, like yeah. this is yes. Yeah, no, Max having that. Uh, I was able to watch the Laker game on the move on the first game of the season. It was night one, and I was moving around. I think we potted that night. That was Thursday. And it was like, oh, to be able to not go to my ESPN app and keep up with the live shit, but to actually go and be like, yeah, dog, I'm watching this bitch from the phone. That's clutch, dog. Shout out to that. Um, So let's talk about, because I think we I brought it up, but we, how'd you feel about them, them weak-ass niggas leaving? So when you think, Cause they left. Here's here's why I didn't like them leaving. Cause y'all didn't leave because y'all thought dog was a bigot or y'all thought dog was a racist or y'all thought, oh, he won't denounce his granddaddy. That mean he be agreeing with his granddaddy Ku Klux Klan belief. Y'all left because y'all thought y'all lost yeah. in that moment, yep. and that's why I thought it was ho ass. Cause you don't leave your case just cause you think you lost, nigga. You find a new way to win. How y'all leave Willie? Come on, man. Y'all you left your man out there. Y'all livelihood depends on him. You left your man out there. He brought y'all to this. Like, I just didn't get it. That's what I didn't love is the immediate. And do y'all think y'all going to get a piece of this 150 million? Come on, man. Because you're left. (laughs) Hey, because guess what? My percentage just went higher. Guess what? Y'all niggas ain't seeing none of this, bro. Like, you can't leave my team because you don't agree with the beliefs of a nigga related to. Because in real life, if I start digging into y'all families, probably some beliefs I don't agree with. We just got finished. Defending a dude who was a horrible guy. Come on, man. Who had a this nigga said his blood alcohol was zero point four. Come on, man. You what? talking about five times the legal limit? Like it's point zero eight. Yeah. Like he went nuts. 
I don't give a fuck if he was riding a bike or not, nigga. He was a bad person. He was battling depression. He wanted to kill himself. Yeah. He everything wrong. But y'all, y'all, you wanted the defend money. Him. And that's but that's the thing though. Um we figure out ways to justify certain shit. Boy, oh boy. We can justify and I'll I'll just stick to black folks. We jokingly say all the time, when I say we, I don't just mean me and Jay, I mean all of us. We jokingly say all the time, yo, black folks can't be racist. In real life. We know we can. In real life, because of the era and the just kind of the climate that we live in today, we're more openly racist than probably mad other groups. <laughs> Why? Because niggas won't tell. What you going to say to me? Like, I'm black. Like, check this out. I woke up this morning and I looked at, I saw Dr. Umar's page. Okay. Um, Colorado been getting their ass kicked. Yeah, and he was like the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator are white. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, he thinks that players on the offensive and defensive line, um, or the black. defense offensive line, um, are letting mm. um Shador yeah. get hit and everything. He's like, there's no way that he should have missed these these passes or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. He should be getting this. I'm like, listen, my nigga, that's racist as fuck. Yeah. Because they white. And, and you assuming that they letting their quarterback get smacked. Nigga, the team just not that good. And here's the thing. Specific areas of the team that aren't good, the offensive line, and they're running back. They literally don't have a good offensive line, and they don't have a running game. We got good skill positions. Come on, like, man. we can't, like... They're just not that good. They beat the teams they were supposed to, some of them very close yeah. games, and the, and the good teams they losing to. It's okay. Yeah. I still fuck with Dion. I'm hey. still a fan, but they just not that good. And here's the thing, the yo. The team ain't that good, and the coaching ain't that good. They have three more wins than they did all of last year, and they still have enough time to win two more games and become a bowl-eligible team. So to go from a one-win team to a potentially bowl-eligible team, it's a great season, dog. But I think we'll set the expectations so fucking high. And you know why we did it? Because we was like, yo, man, I saw what Dion just did at Jackson State and totally omitted the fact that, you know, nigga, this ain't swag, bro. And uh, You know what? It, you know what? what's so funny is because we always want to talk about our excellence mm-hmm. and we can be excellent at times. 100%. But if they don't do the same things at Jackson state, now you kind of forced to admit that the people in the HBCUs are not as competitive as a whole. Yeah. Individually, you can find a star anywhere. Oh, facts. But like on mass, yo, the talent goes somewhere else. It just, it just is what it is. Bro. Um, they go somewhere else in droves. My nigga. Um, but we also saw Dion's first year at Jackson State when them niggas was undefeated and then got to their first bowl game ever and then went out there and they got smacked. They played like Arkansas or somebody and literally got beat the shit out of in that bowl game. But it was like, yo, man, he had a great regular season. And here's the thing, right? Black folk, we put too much fucking uh, pressure on being excellent because in real life, if the season ended right now and Deion Sanders was – Four and whatever, four and five or four and whatever their record is. Yo, dog, I think you did an excellent job with what you had, bro. You brought your sons out there. Shador. All them injuries. And yeah, all them injuries. You don't have your players. Well, you have some of your players, but you don't have anyone you've, like, gone out and recruited. And it's like, man, dog, from the hype and what you did and what you brought to Colorado, I think you're going to do really well here, bro. And that's excellent to me. But we'll look at it and be like, nah, man, that nigga, he only won four games, bro. And it's like, nigga, they won one a year ago. One. 
Like think about think about being three times better than you were a year ago. We really just need to be one percent better than we were yesterday. Come on, man. Come on, man. Um, four times better, probably. Well, whatever, man. But I think in in this film where Jamie Foxx won this case, is he won with the people, dog? When when you get and that's the thing about a jury, right? Um, it's one thing to be showy and all that. But you got to talk to them, dog. Those is people over there. You don't got to law them. And I think that Journey's character, she was trying to lawyer these motherfuckers, man. And you, it's, yeah, dog, to the letter of the law, maybe dog did some illegal shit, maybe he didn't, you know, yeah. But if I can go and really talk to this jury, jury and get them to understand, because the shit that he did that was super shady was to the National Black, uh, or National Bible Convention, whatever that group was, it wasn't, National Baptist Convention, that's what it was. But the shit that he did to Jeremiah O'Keefe was just like, yeah, my morals is off. Yeah, so I guess what they, what they ended up having to do was to paint a pattern mm-hmm. that, like, you literally had no intention of doing of this. ever you paying did, him, yeah. You did this in bad faith because yep. here are other examples in business where yeah. you acted in bad faith yeah. specifically. You know what it was? Mm. It was that one dude. It was the one dude that got him to the stand. He came up there and basically broke down all the deals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was yep. like, well, how much um, did you expect them to make? Yeah. It was like $100 million. Yeah. Like, how much did y'all expect to make? He was like, oh, like $2 billion. He's like, yeah. $2 million? No, he said two, $2 billion. And Journey was crushed. And she was yeah. like, I got to put Dog on the stand. Yep, and, yep. And then that just went left. Uh, yeah. Because um, once you put... Cause he, she, he had to explain, yo, why, why would you make this deal, fam? The the National Baptist Convention, they said them niggas made like two hundred thousand, something like that. Yeah, bro, and y'all made two hundred. How many? Y'all made two billion. Y'all and made these, even if it was two million, <laughs> and we got two hundred thousand. Come on, bro, the math ain't mathing, dog. Um, I thought it was such a good way to end the trial too like with dog losing his shit on the stand like he really got up there and by the end of it that self-control was gone that canadian niceness was gone nigga all the vancouver and that nigga had left him and now i'm just a pissed off rich white man who ain't trying to lose no money dog i drew you in and now you mad at me come and on your anger at me mm-hmm. is making you come off arrogant yeah. and like yo I- and it, oh now you're the wealthy piece of shit that i need this jury to think you are and they got him and it fucking worked, man. And um, I really, really loved that last scene with Journey and uh, Jamie yeah. when they were in the hotel. Um, and again, yo, speaking of the hotel, man, I, I said this before, but I just want to keep honing in on it. Shout out to Maggie Betts for not doing it. Fam, when they got to that hotel, she could have very easily made that white woman like look at Jamie and them weird. Oh, who are these niggas coming in? Like, you could have taken advantage of the racist trope. And they also could have made a... Made- Jamie and her, some sort of slightly romantic like a interest. Love story. No. And like, yo, y'all went back to the hotel yeah. when he sent her. They could have woke up in bed the next morning. Yeah, like, with oh, the shit. crystal and all yeah. that. Yeah, but it was like, they very much kept their characters. I'm with my high school sweetheart. Yeah. 
Like, I ain't playing them games, dog. And they kept, and they didn't do no weird shit where the wife and Journey bumped into each other and had like a little, like, hmm. it wasn't none of that, dog. It was very much, I'm sticking to the script and the shit that matters. And I thought that that really made the movie. Um, the performances were super fucking good, man. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, man. I, I just want to make sure that he gets his fucking yeah, flowers. Yeah, let's go, right let's go now, through yo. his. Uh... Let's go through the acrophy, His man. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, you one of them, bro. And I, I want to make sure that the flowers are given because it's very much necessary that you get anything you need out of this shit, man. Um, all right. We got the current joint. We already know what it is. Um, the Fugitive, which we talked about, one of the greatest films ever made. All three men in blacks. Salute. You know what I'm saying? You was You was doing it for the culture. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Crazy. Double Jeopardy. Shout out to him. That was good. Yo, Double too. Jeopardy was good as fuck, nigga. Everybody did a good job in Double Jeopardy. Yo, Double Jeopardy was so crazy. Yo, shout out to Ashley Judd. Like, all that, that shit was great, bro. And I just, I feel like Ashley Judd was in Mad of that movie. Yeah. And they was all good, bro. She did like two with Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dog. She wanted them. Yo, man, Tommy Lee Jones, just for some culture shit, my nigga was the Riddler, B. Like, yeah. like, bro, like, I'm really one of them, dog. Stop no, playing he with was Two-Face. He was Two-Face. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey was the Riddler. Yeah. My bad, my bad, my bad. He was Two-Face. Um, U.S. Marshals, which I mentioned, is phenomenal. Yo, if y'all have never seen this movie, I implore you to go see it or go watch it. It's somewhere playing for free right now. The Hunted. Starring Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. Mm. That shit is so fucking good, dog. Fam was in Natural Born Killers. Come on, man. Come on, man. Stop playing with me, dog. He was in Lincoln. Rules of Engagement was good. Yep, Very fucking good. That shit was great. And he was in the first Born movie. Shout out to that. I'm going to ignore uh, Space Cowboys. No, he was in Captain America. The first joint. Yeah. He sure was. He sure was. Yo, he was in JFK. That's that's the jo- that's the one. Yeah. Kevin Costner joint, man. Damn, have you, if you guys have not seen JFK. JFK. When did JFK come out? I bet you it was 92. 91. Like, yep. I've... Well, yep. Was it this pod? Because we talked about it on yeah, Shop it Talk. Yeah, it was. Like, yep. when I was like 10... Yeah, ninety one to ninety three ish. When I was around that ten years old, everything happened. Yeah. That could be one of the main reasons why I'm a conspiracy theorist. Mm. JFK the movie. JFK was so good, man. Man, um, that was so really good. really well done. Shout out to Kevin Costner for that too, man. And shout out to um, who made that joint? Because he just did a like a thirty year later. Um, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Yeah, yeah. Um, yo, man, Tommy Lee got a lot of them. Like a lot of joint joints, man. Yeah, we ain't gonna talk about TV. Oh no, nah. well, yo, have you ever seen this movie Ad Astra with Brad Pitt? I've only uh, no, yo, bro. I've only seen so I've seen like a breakdown of that movie okay. from the um from how they shot and how they mm-hmm. colored it. Um, you would really some film, enjoy that from filmography type thing. Yeah, and like that was a hear me out. That movie was in black and white. Yep. And what I mean by that, it was monochromatic. Sometimes the colors were orange, but 
it was all different shades of orange and green. Yeah. Or all different script. Like a black and white movie is not only black. It's black, yeah. white, and gray and everything in between. Yep. Like sometimes people make black and white movies very creative. With co- <laughs> That's crazy. But people make black and white movies with color. Yeah. And um, I've seen they've used this movie so many times in color grading. Yeah. Um, in shooting the movie, telling the story how every single thing inside of the entire room was picked specifically because of the color or the shade it is to like, it's one of those movies yeah. where it's like a, a great example of pretty much how to shoot a fucking a film. great film. Yeah. yeah. But man. I've never watched the actual film. Ad Astra is very good. Um, I, I've learned so much in the latter half of my life to appreciate how good of an actor that Brad Pitt is. Um, that nigga's great, dog. Yeah. And, and he got, he another one where when you start going through that filmography, it, it get real. Interview with like, a vampire? Come on, man. Come on, man. Um, Yo, man, Tommy Lee Jones, here going, to be getting bodies this late in your career, where you still get opportunities to do films that are just kind of continuing you being like one of them, that's dope, man. Because I feel like a lot of actors Late. Like I felt, and it's a totally different movie, but I felt similar to Tommy Lee Jones getting this role and just kind of having this film this late in his career, the same way I did for Jack Nicholson being in um um The Departed late in his career. Okay. Like Jack Nicholson and his role in The Departed so late. Oh, Departed so fucking. Yo, good. The Departed. That's one of my favorite movies of all time, dog. The Departed is just. Yo, Boston as a backdrop could just be great for movies. One thousand percent. And here's the thing. It's not a lot of bad movies I've seen with Boston as the backdrop. No, The Departed, The Town. Like, first of all, if Boston is the backdrop. Ben Affleck or. Ben uh, Affleck, Matt Damon, and or Mark Wahlberg have to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Big facts. And that's just, it's just one, it got to happen, bro. I wonder how they feel when Jizzy I put on for my city come on. Man, cause they gotta man. feel that, right? Man. I put on for my. Cause city. if any three niggas have ever put on for Boston, it's Ben Affleck, Mark Wahlberg, and Matt Damon. Yeah. Dog. Um, yo, man, Boston's so cold. They had me thinking Jeremy Renner was from there in the town. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, he Jeremy Renner embodied Boston yeah. more than a lot of Boston dudes do. Dog. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, when The Departed was out, I remember thinking, yo, this late in Jack Nicholson's career, you're still getting films that are to be taken seriously. You ain't going like the, and Jack's been in some rom-coms, let's be clear, but like you ain't going like the old rom-com route and just kind of coasting to the end of your career. You're still taking on very serious, very real roles. Can you imagine like Denzel, gonna, until Denzel can't do it anymore, Yeah, he's going to be 80 years old acting in still a movie. Doing probably. What doing. Kicking, yeah. kicking ass. Um, Denzel, one hundred percent, looked over at Liam Neeson and said, "I can be the black this." And then Liam Neeson did some racist shit, and now Denzel is the only this. <laughs> Thank you, Liam Neeson, because you created a lane. I stepped into it as one of the greatest actors of all time, and then you fucked it up. And now I'm the only nigga doing it, dog. So appreciate. And he not the only one because Liam Neeson doing it. That shit just don't come to theaters. We now. don't care no more. Now it's just on Amazon Prime. I can't find that one movie I sent you with with Young Dog from the uh, the Six. Bro, and- so is it out? It's out. Cause and I, I see it like in theaters, like- but like it's not. I can't find it in the theater. Like uh, AMC is not showing it. It's I guess it's one of them limited releases or we don't. 
you know how they do when you a smaller production. I only can get you in so many different joints. Yeah. But uh, it's out. Bro, so the film that we're talking about um, is starring uh, Alex Hibbert and, like, dog, what's Rob Silva's twin? Um, <laughs> Rob always refers to him as his twin, dog. Um, bro, they don't even, yo, they don't even got this shit on Alex Hibbert uh, filmography. Gee whiz. All right, let me go to. Alex Hibbert is young dog from um, The Shot. The Shot. Yeah, um, hold up. Let me go to, I know how to find this. Because I want to make sure I tell y'all the name of the the movie. Because if y'all know where to find it, y'all going to have to tell me and Jake. we really want to watch it. All right. Luis Guzman. That's Rob Silva's twin. Uh, the God. Been in everything. <laughs> Literally. He might be the most famous Puerto Rican actor of all time, by the way. Could be. Um, all right. So let me find this film because... It's a new release. I heard it won mad like awards and shit. And it's just kind of silently come out, but we don't know where the fuck to find it. All right. Luis Guzman, filmography. Scared to see how many movies he's been in, dog. Um, all right. Have you watched Killers of the Flower Moon yet? Uh Leonardo DiCaprio? No, yeah. no. Just came out a couple weeks ago, but I do want to see that. I'm probably gonna because you know that's an Apple. Uh, exclusive. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's Apple made it, and it and once that's, it leaves, uh, Scorsese, right? Yeah, yeah. Once, once it leaves the theater, it's going directly. It's to going Apple. To TV, Apple. Oh. So I'm probably watching there. Oh. Patreon, Patreon. They for sure gonna be a crazy review because I know the movie is probably three hours. Oh, for sure. Scorsese alone, with, with, and then that, when the last time Leonardo been in a movie that wasn't three hours? Nigga, has he? <laughs> Maybe nigga, uh, Dead Poet Society. Nigga, <laughs> when he was a fucking kid. Um, yo, Louis Louis Guzman Instagram name being Louis from the hood is just That's so crazy. It's so him. All right, I'm about to find a damn story. Av shit. Oh, the trailer from the. Oh, okay, he had the trailer in his uh in his um in his bio. Story Av. It came out September 29th. Dog. Yeah, I want to see this because like even though um. Hassan, Hassan yeah. Jackson, he was like uh, in theaters everywhere. For yeah. more, like I went to look for it and I couldn't find it. Story Ave, dog. And it is here's the thing. So if you go to um, YouTube and just look up the Story Ave trailer, first of all, the movie looks really fucking good, dog. Yeah. Let's be clear. But yeah, I don't know where to find it, man. If y'all know anywhere to find Story Ave. on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 92% on Fandango. Wow. Like, I tried to buy tickets on Fandango for it, but, like... Can't find it. Yeah, man. I'm going to need to find a story. September out, 29th, he came out. I don't know how to buy tickets for it, so I was looking at it on streaming services. I tried to yeah, buy It ain't been on tickets. none of my bootleg shits either. Yeah. Because they start off in order of what's new, nigga, and I've never seen Story Ave pop up, so... All right, man. I think that's... uh. Also, man, we got we to gotta shout out to your mans, though. Who that? Um, Chandler. Oh man, hold up. Actually, we got two, man. Um, first dog, uh, rest in peace to my man, my motherfucking dog, my nigga Chandler Bing, aka Matthew Perry. Um, best known and most known as Chandler from Friends. Uh, as I've mentioned on this pod a million different times, my favorite show of all time. Um, a character that I just very closely related to in a lot of ways, man. Uh sense of humor, timing, sarcasm, just all that shit, man. I, I, I very much 
thought that me and him was like the same nigga at one point, man. Uh, just two different versions, two different lifestyles. But um, just kind of on some success shit, yo. Like Matthew Perry, dog, and that whole troop from Friends. That that six person troop, yo, man. A million an episode, dog. They was getting it. They was back getting then. it, getting it back then, dog. Like it was only the people from Friends, Tim Allen, Jerry Seinfeld. My nigga Ghost didn't get that for the whole season. <laughs> Come on, man. And they was getting a million per and got it for I want to say six out of the ten seasons, dog. That's a different back when seasons was twenty some episodes. Come on, man. Stop playing with Matthew Perry. Um, he passed yesterday. Uh, they they said. He drowned in his jacuzzi, but they said that there was a 911 call um, saying that he had gone into cardiac arrest. Um, in the latter half of his life, uh, post-Friends shit, even during Friends, man, um, he suffered from uh, addiction to painkillers, uh, got into an accident uh, back when Friends was on and got addicted to Vicodin. Um, and that kind of just caused him to go in a lot of different directions. Um, was funny, last year, me and Shorty was in Target, uh, I think we were getting stocking stuffers. And right when we got up to the line, Matthew Perry's book was right there. And she was like, yo, you want his book? I was like, nigga, what you thought, bro? She grabbed that. That was my stocking stuffer, man. And it was it was just one of them things that uh, I really appreciate having that moment, dog. Because who would have known uh, less than a year later, um, he'd, he'd have passed. Um, rest in peace to Matthew Perry, man. 54 years old. Way too young to be passing. Um, Another rest in peace that I forgot to do last week, uh, Richard Roundtree, Richard Roundtree, man, uh, legendary. And I, I did it on the uh, on the pod pages, but wanted to make sure we said it live here. Um, Richard Roundtree, best known as Shaft, um, passed last week. Uh, he was, I think, 80. Mary, being Mary Jane's. Yeah, father. being Mary Jane. Oh, Richard Roundtree got a got a got a list of them. Um, and I want to make sure I get his age correct, too. Um he was 81, 81 years old. He passed at his home in uh, in Los Angeles. Um, we already know, again, just the, the legacy that he was a part of, not just with Shaft, um, and not just the old original Shaft. He was in the, the recent ones, too, with Samuel L. Um, he was also in Being Mary Jane. Um, he was recently in... And I've mentioned this show on here before. If you've never watched Cherish the Day on OWN, um, it's similar to Love Is, which Jay and I have been just the hugest proponents of. Um, but Cherish the Day was an anthology. So season two, Richard Roundtree played Joy Bryant's dad. Um, and he was phenomenal in that role. Like, he was really, really good. If you have own, I implore you, go watch Cherish Today Season 2 because Richard Roundtree absolutely just bodied that role, man. Um, And just again, man, you know, his legacy and, and what he did as as Shaft, what he did in other roles. He was in Seven. He was in, um, yo, man, on some cultural shit. He was in Steel with Shaq, which y'all know about it. Um... And and just man, he was a, a very large presence and a very 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 great actor, man. And I'm really proud to have a uh, to have seen a lot of the projects. Yeah, we'll go to now. Apple and we'll go on TV shows. They got him on a on a front. Oh door. my god, man! Yeah, that that Matthew Perry piece, man. That that really fucked me up. Um, on some serious shit. Shorty was like, I ain't, I don't even want to tell you this. She got the she saw it on the gram. 
TMZ report. I was like, man, what the fuck, bro? Who's rushing in the whole nine yards? That was Fam. great. So I I mentioned the whole nine yards uh, last night when we was talking about it because I'm like, yo, to know that he passed and to see what Bruce Willis is currently dealing with with regard to his health, like that really makes me sad, yo. Um, Fools rush in a great rom com. Um, yeah, man. I, I I just I get sad, yo. Like even like when friends did their uh their reunion, man. Matthew Perry was. You can just look at him and tell like a lot of stuff went left. Um, life got hard. Addiction got hard. Uh, addiction is hard, man. And, and things just kind of. To, for them to have been as blessed as they were, man, he, he seemed to be taking all his addictions and just kind of struggles in stride, man, and he still seemed to be in a great space mentally, even if he was fighting some demons, man, and um, I just hate whatever happened, they did no official uh, report and, and all that on exactly how he passed, they reported a drowning, they reported a 911 call, um, for a heart attack but whatever happened man he was too young to be passing he was too successful to have left this earth so soon man so i want to say rest in peace matthew perry want to say rest in peace richard roundtree and um yeah man just yo man big hits in hollywood this last week yo um oh uh if you listening to the pod this late in the game you might have realized there was no new episode of uh power force this week um don't know why they did that because they really had a lot of great momentum going, but uh, it will be back this Friday, so we'll be back in here to discuss it uh, next week for sure. Um, also, make sure you're getting caught up on the Patreon so you can hear uh, what we've been thinking about the morning show because they've been on fire. Morning show has caught fire recently. And, uh, yeah, man, I think that's it, man. Um, trying to think of something. Yo, I'm really enjoying the irrational dog with, yeah. with dog. Like I know we've mentioned it a few times, but now I feel like it's getting to the point where it's like a show I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, randomly, I just caught up on Loki season two. Yo, I heard they're bodying um, for what it's worth. I've heard they're bodying. I don't know. I just didn't. I just wasn't watching. Yeah. I enjoy season one. Yeah. Season like they're doing a good job. Season two, they're going in. I like that. I like that. Shout um, out to um, he who remains. His accuser uh, got arrested, and rightfully so, mm. Jonathan Majors, uh, for assault against him. Man. Like, man. so, yo, man, it's just so bad what they did to my man. He's basically fully exonerated from all those charges, but I need that to be as loud yeah. as all them people who was on the internet making up shit. Anybody who's been around Stanford knows. Bitch, know what? Yeah. Because that shit never happened. The, um, the way that, Cause people, camera footage came out of the of the alleged incident, and it wasn't one. The way that people went off, I mean, they went off on Jonathan Majors, man. And, but you know why they went off on Jonathan Majors? And let's keep it a buck. We know why, because he was with a white girl. We know why y'all did that. We we know why y'all ran smooth to the internet to tell us how much he was just a corny nigga. Talk about that racism uh, shit, man, dog. Because. But if if he wanted to be with a white girl and went to her family and her family shit on him, y'all, this is unacceptable. He should be able to be with, y'all should embrace him. That's how y'all be. Man. But what's funny, months prior to the to the shit, y'all was oogling and ogling all over him because he was on the cover of Ebony Mag and y'all was fucking jocking the nigga off his body and shit and all that. And da, da, da. Then y'all was also calling him ugly. Say he was an ugly nigga with a body. Ain't gay. 
Also calling him gay because of the Ebony magazine cover. Them, them, him and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, oh, yeah. And then they had, they had the photo shoot, the black and white. He had a run that wasn't great. Yeah. I feel like Jonathan Majors is one of them niggas y'all didn't want to like, but felt like y'all should have. And then the minute that some shit happened, that would have been like, hey, now I can turn on him. Y'all did. I kind of feel messed up for him because based on his pictures of himself before he was a star. Yeah. He don't seem like he was ever the most popular. Right. Yeah. And then he filled out been actor. Not. Yeah. People was Googling over him and everything. And then y'all just kind of turned on him for no reason. Yeah. And like, he never did nothing to nobody ever. Like, not he literally this, be chilling. Dog. Not in this one. He still dressed like bagger events, but, um, which could be for movies. Who knows what he's yeah, doing? Yeah. Uh, but go inside. <laughs> um, I just don't know. It just feel like he got a raw end of the deal. Uh, when he had them two movies out to say, he had Marvel, Spider-Man or whatever. Well, not Spider-Man. It was, uh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man. And, and that's um, where he got introduced in the whole Marvel he had shit. Yeah. Ant-Man as well as, um, uh, Creed, Creed. Three at yep. the same time, and it was like, man, come on, dog, and that good praise just went to shit. Yeah, and like yeah. he caught a strays from now you gay, and then now you a rapist, you a yeah. gay rapist, like God, and like man. they was just giving him so much gay shit, rapist man. abuser or some shit, not rapist, he ain't get accused, but a uh, uh, abuser because yeah. they they was coming out the woodworks talking about oh he been uh, having rumors about being abusive since college and all when he was at Yale they was and it's like bro man y'all went so crazy um, just committing this nigga to all the things that you quickly heard that he did because we never heard none of this shit till the fucking accusations of him abusing old girl and now she's been arrested for abusing him um and he has no charges so i i just again the the apology is never as loud as the disrespect um and y'all never admit when y'all wrong um and in this case folks is wrong about him man but it's all good because his marvel movies is gonna come out and he go with megan good so he doing all right you know, there was a time in my life I'd start hating him for making good, but yeah, no, right now I'm gonna let him get that win. You know what I'm saying? Because he need a win right now. Because um, y'all turned y'all back on the guy. But uh, y'all know how I feel about Soraya. Yeah, and Soraya is like a younger version of making good. I can see that. I can like, see that. And not as thick, by the way. No, no. Like, but they they have similar vibes. Yeah. And um, speaking of Soraya, yo, uh, you can see her actual boyfriend on this week in culture's page right now we recently posted the uh trailer you can see for her on, on this week in culture <laughs> page anytime you want to hey hey we posted a trailer for um raising cane in season three which oh, will be coming out december you want, 1st you want to talk about me no oh, no no you're not in the trailer <laughs> you're not in the trailer um but joey badass is right there you know yo man my bad for even putting that nigga on our page bro like no disrespect man he might get erased Yo, man, I, if it you deleted that, I wouldn't even be mad, yo. Um, Raising Canaan Season 3 will be out December 1st. Uh, the trailer's on our, our podcast page right now. Trailer look lit. Trailer looks very fucking good, man. Um, I've I've said before, I'll say it again, I think Raising Canaan is the str- second strongest power um, behind OG power. It don't feel like power. 
it don't feel like power. It feels like, and we know that a lot. Well, not a lot. Two characters are the same, uh, jukebox and Kanan, but, um, it doesn't feel like power. It feels like just a, a really different story. And I love anything set in nineties, New York. Like that's just a, it's just a fun time. man. are they going to make Kanan switch? Into the canon that we sh- that he I should be. I feel like he has to this season. Like it's third. It's about to be third season, my G. Because as good as this shit has been, I don't think we can get another season without him becoming drug lord kingpin. Police out here busting your gun on purpose and like. At some point, he got to teach Tommy and them, right? Yeah. And I I know at that some point, they mentioned you got to learn ne- the game. Yeah. Well, no. At some point, you have to like implement what you learn because they keep trying to teach you the game and you yeah. don't listen you got to learn the game you don't listen get active with it and then yeah. meet them to you know yeah no i i feel like this is the season where young dog has to turn up um, Yo, and become canaan i noticed the end of the pod hopefully y'all still there we got to talk about this ghost shit what's that ghost oh yeah no that's uh yo no nah, that's coming did you do the research I did some of the research. Okay. I even sent you a clip. Yeah. With um the power podcast people with Courtney Vance talking about that like yeah. that line specifically. That was on the gram, right? Uh I said I texted or you. Or did you text me that? Yeah. I'm like, I remember seeing Courtney uh <laughs> I was about to say Courtney big face. <laughs> but all right, here we go. I got it right here. All right. Like they are saying this never happened though. Yeah. They saying from Miss Line to Tasha, I just, I just lost, lost the love of my life. <laughs> Tasha? <laughs> Yo. That- For context, this is Courtney uh Kemp. You called her Courtney B. Vance. <laughs> <laughs> Most famous Yo. Courtney I know. Yo. <laughs> that is <laughs> Holy shit. All right, this is Courtney Kemp on Michael Rainey, a.k.a. Tariq's podcast. Um, the crew has it. It's Tariq and uh, Gianni, who plays, what's Young Dog on Tariq Power? Yeah. Uh, the little homie, Brayden. Tariq and Gianni are interviewing Courtney Kemp, um, a.k.a. Courtney B. Vance. And uh, they asked her about the scene where Ghost says, I just loved, lost the love of my life. But there are people, somebody... Uh, June sent me a TikTok. Yeah, but the the video had been deleted. But it was saying it was on some butterfly effect that he never said this. Yeah, and I was like, dog, I remember him saying it. And so the the in the scene, allegedly, Ghost says, Tasha, please show some respect. I just lost the love of my life. But they're saying that he never actually said that. Yeah, so have some respect. Yeah, have some respect. I just lost the love of my life. <laughs> but you know, it's so it's so fun to to write stuff like that. Right. And every so often, I, I got to give O credit because he would every so often he'd be like, "Wow, this is some fucked up shit." To say. <laughs> and I'd be like, "He would say it. Right, just right, trust right. me." So I found eye out contact. What, I found out what episode it has to be in. Yeah, I. It has to be season six specifically because yeah. Angie died season five, yeah. last episode. And after she died, it went off. Yeah. So there was no talking. Season six, episode one, he has a conversation with Tasha mm-hmm. um, in the house. And he basically was like, come on, Tasha, you know I'm going through something. Yeah. I just love. And, but like he doesn't actually get into that. But I, yeah. 
it was so late that I didn't, I couldn't watch the entire episode, gotcha. and I got to go through it and find it. But what I'm trying to do is, once I find out what episode it happened in, I want to go back and listen to our episode that we would have did on that pod because mm-hmm. I remember us saying that specifically. Unless we started it, <laughs> we might have been the ones to put that on there. Like unless we started it, like how did everybody remember the wrong, the same thing wrong? The like, only thing I know for sure, Ghost said was. Uh, that they could do everything they wanted since they was kids. And <laughs> and uh Tommy think. Yeah. Like that was it. Them the only but two like, things I could confirm. Like, like yeah. we, we we ran that shit into the ground. Think, Tommy. Fuck. So like unless we started it. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't putting video episodes out there. No, we weren't. Like, so that was audio only. Unless yeah. we started it, this happened, dog. Yeah. Hey, man, we about to go back and do some butterfly effect science on y'all. Next pod, we going to have the answers, B. Um, yo, that'll be perfect for the next Power Pod. Power Tommy, y'all about to give us the lead in for sure. Um, yo, man, that's all I got, yo. Two and a half hours for y'all. Uh, hope y'all enjoyed the burial. I hope y'all enjoyed our review of it, man. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this film. It was a great watch, and it wasn't heavy. And it was very good to see a... Legal courtroom drama joint with black people that had hints of race baiting that didn't feel heavy. I could watch this, and when I came away from it, all I could think was how great the performances were in this film. So um, salute to the cast. Salute to uh, to Maggie Betts for her direction on the film um, and her writing. She was one of the co-writers on this as well. And, um, yeah, man, salute to everybody involved. This Week in Culture family, me and Jay will be back in here later this week with the Patreon reviews. Y'all already know what it is. We love y'all. Peace.